I'm a hometown hero, baby! Alrighty, folks, welcome back to episode number 14 of Live in 5. Before we get to our interview with Patty Maroon, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy that one. Three-time Stanley Cup champion, now playing with the Minnesota Wild, trying to turn that ship around. Uh, full-time beauty, a guy out of South County, St. Louis. So we had a great interview with Patty. But before we get to that, we will do our tape-to-tape -tape snap, as we always do, brought to you by Mini Movers and Butter Golf. Butter Golf is the official sponsor of Live and Five. Head over to butter.golf for all your clothing lifestyle needs. I know it's getting around the holiday season, Ozzo, so people head on over there. Check it out. We got some new stuff coming in, especially hats in the next couple of weeks. And then on the other side of 24 as well, I'm very excited about a new drop. I'm kind of dialing in in terms of taking our production to another level. And then, Fuck hey, yeah. if you need our, your shit packed, well, call the boys at Mini Movers. I saw Ozzo today just got named by Time Magazine. <laughs> as the mover of the year. So, Ozzy, was that uh, self-proclaimed, one would say, or is that time reaching out and saying, hey, this guy's packed a lot of shit over the last year? Uh, I'm, I'm happy you asked me that question because – so I see they named uh, Leo Messi the sports person of the year. Time does. So I see that, and I'm like, oh, I'll, you know, make my own edit and – you know, make myself mover the year thinking it's funny, you know, it'll get people's eye, you know, catch their attention. Well, I posted on Facebook and I've got like 25 people saying, congratulations, you deserve this so much, you know, and I'm like, thank you, couldn't do it without you. It's like, do people actually think Time Magazine named me mover of the year? Like they have some guy who's just evaluating movers all year? Like, come on. Yeah. It's like, funny too because whoever – Photoshop those pictures too. Let's just say it wasn't perfect. I probably think it was you, you know, behind the scenes doing that because you do it for us. Did it in like three five. minutes. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> folks, that is not actually Time Magazine. I mean, hell, this guy might deserve a fucking silver box by now because he's had over three, you know, 300,000 moves or whatever the hell you've done. But um, I just thought that was so funny logging on to the old Instagram app today and seeing Gage Osmus as a self-proclaimed mover of the year because sometimes you got to toot your own horn, baby. You got to. You got to you gotta pump your own tires. And you know what? It's the same thing with, like, you know, we put on our we put on our website, you know, Minnesota's favorite movers. Sometimes people ask us, like, oh, according to who? And I'm like, according to me. What Absolutely. do you mean? Like, that's all you got to do. You know, like, that's what everyone does. It's like, according to who? According to me. I said it. It's real. You're going to a bar and it's just like best bar in town or best burger. It's like, dude, I tried that burger. It's fucking horrible. It tastes like a charcoal patty that you just, you know, <laughs> you drunk when you're cooking that for me. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. So, no, that was funny, Ozzy. But what'd you get up to this weekend? Uh, what were you doing? And were you boots on the ground anywhere? What was, uh, what was the weekend like? What was the weekend slate? Yeah, I went uh, boots on the ground to watch the old East Grand Forks Green Wave um, battle Matamidi, the defending state champions for the single-A division in Minnesota high school hockey. Um, great game, couple powerhouses there, Good, really good single-A teams this year. Um, EGF's bringing some power this year. They've got some good players. Uh, they're bringing a lot back from last year, and I think they're probably expecting to make the state tournament and make a little run when they get there so it'll be exciting following along with them and then after that game i got to catch you know the washington oregon 
um, football game. And then obviously our Sioux boys uh, come back from down 4-1 in Denver. Unbelievable win. You know as well as I do how hard it is to play in Denver, to come back against a Denver team that's up 4-1 on you. That ain't easy. So I think this team's the real deal, man. And that kind of sums up my weekend. That's kind of all I did uh, Saturday. You know, went to a bar with some buddies and, and, you know, the girls and stuff and had a few beers there. But end of the night at 11 and then Sunday, obviously, spent uh, watching football on the couch, which wasn't wasn't great football on this weekend. So um, I'm looking forward to this weekend, Jordo. You know, you know why, though? Because I am headed to Grand Forks to see you in your deb- debut, uh, talking on the sticks in front wow, of the camera with the people. Up, so, eh? hey, oh, yeah, I'm coming up. That, though, uh, do you think... That UND, I mean, one of the greater games I remember from, you know, talk about coming from behind in terms of a Sioux game, like that was absolutely electric. I actually missed that game because I had dinner Friday night with a good buddy, J.B. Snow, a.k.a. Bennington, a guy I had or we had on the show earlier on. But just in terms of that game, coming back from 4-1, do we have to credit Pooley and the high altitude room they have now that when we took that tour – when we were there yeah. for the Sioux Gophers series, are we crediting the high altitude room for that comeback? Because watching that, you know, condensed game that they'll release on Twitter and Instagram, like that was so electric. Just watching those guys and the goals were just nasty. Like Reese Gaber off Dude. the ball, that goal <laughs> that Jackson Blake scored, and even you know some of the goals before that, Jammerneck Selian, you know, going yeah. one hand up to the like that was old school hockey going right past their bench because they did that earlier in the game, a Denver player, and he kind of mocked him. So that game had all the feels. Like, that really brought me back to, like, wow, man, like, that was one game I wish I was in. The boys are feeling it. And, yeah, I mean, they're selling. They're making fun of, you know, they're, they're, they're chirping the other team's celebrations. They're, they're, they go down 4-1, and I, I kind of watched. I, I watched a little bit of the first just on my phone while I was at that game. They didn't play bad. They just they were kind of you know going shot for shot. Denver scored early, uh, but to be able to come back like that and stick with it, and yeah, like I, I watched the second and then third, and they were you know they were in better condition than Denver was. It seemed like they they had more legs. It was like how does this happen? I've never seen that happen ever playing Denver or CC. You know as well as I do. You go there, you cannot breathe. You get tired quick. Your shifts have to be quick. And if you get stuck out there, your next shift's probably, you know, it's gassed. So I don't know. That was that was an incredible game by them. And yeah, like you said, they're they're skating around with swagger. They got confidence. It's uh it's fun to see. Yeah, that was awesome. That was just old school, old time Sioux win. That that rivalry is so good over the years, as it you is. know, Azo. So glad to see the boys got that one. Kind of let it go a little bit on Saturday night from what I saw, but Taking it back to my weekend, Azo, uh, you know, Friday night had dinner with the snowman. Saturday, me and the Heat Daddy were mic'd up again at Mullet Arena doing a content series for the Coyotes. That was just so funny. Like, we're sitting on the glass. We're having beers. It's basically just like a comedic <laughs> act at this point of what we're doing. We went. We didn't go in character this time. We just went as, you know, ourselves. Yeah. So, you know, the time before that, we were all decked out. The Heat Daddy had the full suit on, helmet yeah. on. I had the NASCAR jacket, mullet at mullet. So this time, I thought it went really well, more comfortable, obviously. But it was just funny. Like, I hope they release some of the footage because I'm sitting there right next to the penalty box on the Desert Dog side, the Coyote side. So I'm chirping in there. I'm looking at, like, Yuso Valamaki. I believe Zucker was in there. A couple other guys, even maybe Spicy Tuna. 
I'm looking at them and I'm like, Hey fella, fella. And they're like, I mean, I'm, you know, a stone, yeah. like, just basically an arm's length away from them. They're looking at me like just mean mugging me like, dude, shut the <laughs> fuck up. Like I'll see you after. So yeah. that, uh, are you, are you play by play commentating that? Or are you kind of just being a fan? Like, Oh, yeah, fuck, he got buried. Like, kind of sharing yeah. your two cents a little bit. It's similar to like the hockey night in Scottsdale, I think, where we commentate, we say whatever we want. Obviously, some of the stuff they're not going to be able to use because they take about 30 minutes of footage and condense it to like a 45-second reel. But I yeah. really think the things we were able to say in terms of PG rated or PG is going to come out really nice. I just can't wait to see that footage because it was hilarious. And the thing is, I didn't realize – so when you go down there, you only do one period. And we did the second period both times. But this time, there was people sitting in the seats that we were supposed to be in. So they had to, like, kick out fans to let us in. And this guy who was just drunk, drunk as a skunk, I mean, fully in one, he, like, starts chirping me. He's like, oh, you guys work for the fucking Coyotes? Like, you're kicking me out of my seats. I've been a season ticket holder for 17 years. And I, I look back at him like, buddy, this is show business. You know, this is not, not <laughs> coyotes here what do you want me to do yo i mean we're (laughs) essentially doing work for them i mean they're not paying us anything it's just if you want to take it up with them take it up with them i thought like the guy was gonna i was gonna be involved with like an altercation you see at these stadiums because the guy kept chirping me i'm looking back i'm like dude shut up like what is going on so that was funny we had to kind of weather the storm early they ended up moving us closer to the penalty box so we did that and then afterwards we were riding high we ended up going to meet up with the boys they had a couple days off, so we met Nick and some of the fellas over at Hot Chick, a.k.a. the Hot Skunk, place you know in Old Town. Right Those boys got to be firing a little bit after their little streak they went on, taking down the Stanley Cup champs. and Oh, yeah. Know, just, they were, they're kind of firing right now. They were riding high, and, you know, it was no secret they won last night 6-0 versus Washington, but we went and saw Saturday night, you know, before that game in Washington, and it's no secret they won 6 nothing because they were team bonding all night, something we touch on later in this interview with Patty Maroon, how important that off-ice stuff is. But so we're at Hot Chick, and Afro Man is playing. He does two songs, and that guy was like the guy you listened to growing up, Ozzy, right? Like if your first time ever smoking dope or being around yeah. the locker room, Colt 45 and two zigzags, baby, that's all we need. So he comes on. Go this guy is pot. only 49 years old, I find out. He looks like he's That's 85. it? Yeah. He looks like he's oh, 85. He did. So he, he does two old. songs. He kills it. I get a picture with him with a Colt 45. I was so fired up. Like, he was straight out of the player's ball. He was unbelievable as fit. I just couldn't believe he was 49. He did Because I Got High, and then he did Colt 45 and Two Zigzags, and that was it. Did, did you get a, did you get a couple words in with him? Like, did you talk to him? Because I like thinking about the like you you're someone that I feel like can just talk to these guys. Like, you can just oh, put yeah. on the character and like you know you you're resonating with them a little bit. For me, I'm like I go up to that guy and I'm like a little like what the fuck do I say to him? It was so funny because the manager and the owner of the bar, his name's Corey. Shout out to Corey. It's from the dirty. He hooked us up. He always does hook us up. I've done butter golf events there. Anyways, we're on the, they have a little area where you can kind of shoot buckets, which I love about the bar. So we're on the wood over there getting buckets in the back. And he's like, all right, swish boys, time for us to uh, go meet Afro man. We're getting a picture. So all the coyote guys go in, there's like five or six of them. They all go in for their group picture. They're like, you know, they're like kind of like half, like, should I come in? I'm like, no, you guys take your own picture. So they get their picture. I go in. They didn't really shake his hand. I dapped him up so hard. I dapped him like, hey, what up, blood? How we doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, give him a little it. of that. So yeah. we chopped it up for a little bit. Just asked him if he was kind of smoking on that tree. 
that cup he had was so funny. It was like a player's ball Rick James cup. But did you see at the bottom of it? He had a case for all of his weed. And Corey told me that he brought in an ounce to the bar. <laughs> and, like, he burned it all down. Like, he had his cup no in a separate section at the bottom of it with so many nuggets. I was like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. So when he was singing, like, the whole place Custom was about I talked to him for probably like two minutes and then we got the picture. Like two minutes is a pretty long time, especially in a oh, setting yeah. like that. And just asked him, just told him, you know, basically big time fan. I used to listen to you middle school, high school, even in the locker rooms growing up. You know how that song would always come on. It was like a campfire song. Everyone could sing along to. So oh. it was just funny to see a guy you listened to when you were a kid, middle school. And yeah. then next day on his Instagram, he posts a picture. It's him and two skunks in bed. Like they're like, it's like he just notched and had a threesome. It's like, <laughs> and you know, the part of the song of Colt 45 is like, good morning, ladies. <laughs> so oh, good that morning. was like a part of the caption where you could hear the music on his post. I just thought yeah. it was so funny. Like unbelievable meeting a guy. I mean, like how's that. that guy? How's a guy like that doing nowadays? You think like he's playing a hot chick? Like, is he kind of grinding in a way or is he oh, like laughing? For sure. To my knowledge, he seems like, he has that player's ball, like 80s pimp to him, you know, never really settled down, just chasing around dirty broads, probably getting them out of strip clubs and oh, yeah. playing, playing at the hot chick on a Saturday, two songs for five to 10 K. And that probably pays for his night, you know, a couple professionals that'll for pay sure. for the weed and that'll pay yeah. for the Henny or whatever he was drinking. I think he was drinking cognac, but he had the Henny on the way. So yeah, that was just so funny. Um, what a night seeing the Afro man. It was a blast from the past. So that's but unbelievable. Ozzy, yeah, go Jordo, ahead. Jordo, before we move on, we forgot to share a story about from Thanksgiving. Um, I believe you have a great Thanksgiving story. And, oh and I, I know we forgot to tell it, but you need to tell it on here for, for the folks to listen because this is all time. I don't know how I forgot. And I was thinking about it when we were doing those episodes right around thanksgiving i was like man how did i not th tell this story but it was thanksgiving 2017 for a little bit of context i was playing for the san antonio rampage at the time and we were on the road during thanksgiving i believe we played the wednesday before in bakersfield and we we're gonna play the friday afterwards and then do a little bit of a california swing we we're gonna hit stockton then i think we we're gonna go up to san jose aka man jose play the barracuda and then maybe even finish off in ontario which is right by la play la's farm team so we roll into bakersfield we play wednesday night and for those who know bakersfield and especially downtown bakersfield like this place ain't perfect it's like ms13 gangs I would say a lot of biker gangs, whether that's Hell's Angels, mm -hmm. knockoff Hell's Angels, just very sketchy, and especially downtown. I think, like all cities, there are some nice pockets, but particularly downtown is a fucking ghost town. So the Rampage at the time were the farm team for the Colorado Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues. It was a half-and-half half mix. It was an Arnold Palmer. So we basically had no money, and they set us up at this hotel, which was just dog shit. They had like a a spread for all the players. You go in there. It was Thursday, Thanksgiving. There's nobody in this hotel. And I don't even know how the hotel, I think they put it up for us like this buffet style of some knockoff Turkey. They had stuffing and it was just so mm. bad. So all the boys were rattled and you know, it was, I think that meal was like noon and everything was closed in the town, especially the ghost town of downtown Bakersfield. So we're like, yeah. what do we do? And one of the older guys, I'm going to leave him unnamed. He was actually our captain was like a guy of, 400 NHL games, veteran, kind of on the back half. Legend. Yeah. Legend. 
So he's like, well, let's start looking at what we can do. You know, we're looking at movie theaters. We're looking at things we can do just to kill from 2 p.m. to to noon or to midnight besides drinking all day. And we come to the conclusion of, well, there's nothing to do. The closest thing to us is the Deja Vu Girls Strip Club. So we go over to the Deja Vu Strip Club. And mind you, there's so many bikes parked out front. We walk inside. This is the sketchiest place I've ever been to. We get inside, we get like a back booth and we start having beers, buckets of beers and the gals are dancing on stage and yada, yada, yada. We're all sitting there having a good time. There's the football games are on and all of a sudden there's a special that comes on. And the song I specifically remember was Tina Turner. What's love got to do starts playing. What's love got got to do, got to do with it. And they have what we call the full spread Thanksgiving special. And Ozzy, I ain't talking, they ain't coming with drumsticks. That's just straight thighs and gravy, baby. So the Thanksgiving special, AKA the full spread included big country was her name. Her name was big country. She came on stage, and for about an hour, you could get the Turkey Day special from Big Country. It was a cheaper dance. It was Black Friday sales. You know, <laughs> it had the, had the yeah, park yeah. down on it. And it also came oh, yeah. a full buffet, which you could go down the line, and I believe they had a little turkey for you. They had a couple hot dogs, <laughs> maybe a hamburger, but it, it was surf and turf, if you will, from Big Country. And I have a picture on my Snapchat because it came across my memories. That's how I remembered this story and how to tell it was big country. And one of the rookies, we ended up paying for his full spread from big country. And it, let's just say he got the full spread. I mean, this girl went full <laughs> eagle on him in the back room. He came out and he looked like he's seen a ghost. I don't think that kid would ever step foot in a strip club again for what he got. I think he got abused back there, brother. I don't know what happened. He was a French yeah. kid that was very shy and timid and you wouldn't yeah. really say what happened. But to this day, man, I will never forget sitting at the deja vu strip club in Bakersfield, California with a bunch of MS 13 gang members, some biker gangs and the San Antonio rampage and big country coming on stage and offering the full spread. And we had to do it. We, I mean, he jumped. You have it. to, he was the second guy to go, <laughs> you know, so he got a little bit of the sloppy seconds. I don't know what she, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was white or dark meat. I think she was kind of, you know, leaning a little there. But it was, it was so I can't funny. believe that. You uh, had to, you have to have someone yes. take advantage. You have to. In this picture of Big Country, man, like her name was legit Big Country. Like that's her, that was her stage name. Like she was so disgusting. Oh, oh, I can't get the image out of my head now. I, I'm gonna Black have to Friday it. sale though, Brad. Yeah, I mean, I good, mean. good bang for it. your buck. <laughs> Went in Bakersfield, so that was uh, that's an all-time story. Um, of yeah, you know, that's, the turkey day that's special. unbelievable. So I, I had can't to believe tell that it. one. That's a classic. <laughs> but let's move into some hockey talk, Ozzy. Um, you know, aside from this full spread here, the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> I want to start with them at the top. I want to ask you your thoughts on them. A team I've been watching a lot lately, just being local. They've won their last five. They're eight and four at the Mullet Arena, a hard place to play. I was talking to the guys on the Blues on Friday night when I had dinner with four or five of them. Like, man, going into Mullet again, like it just it mind fucks them. It's a small building. Does it? They yeah. Like they, they feel like they're in college or junior again. Nobody wants to come into Mullet and play there, but these Coyotes, they just keep going. Ozzy, I mean, they've only spent fifty-four million dollars in actual money. 
They have a lot of money on guys like Jake Voracek, Shea Weber, these contracts they take on mm-hmm. LTIR. But mm-hmm. really, they're like $30 million under the cap, and they're in the first wild card. So is this just something that they're catching fire early in the season? Or when you see these guys and when you watch them, can they be a playoff team? Yeah, I mean, when I, I thought I thought before the season, I liked some of their signings. Like, I liked the Jason Zucker signing. Um, I liked Matt Dumba going down there. They already had some good core pieces. Um, I just think they're 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 a decent team. They have some players who you know I think kind of still need to prove themselves, which is a little motivation factor. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I always wonder. We we know how great Scott still is. Do they have a little bit of a Vegas effect there when when visiting teams come? Like visiting teams are like, fuck, we're in Scottsdale, let's go. Kind of like that Vegas factor, you know, where you know Vegas has an advantage at home because obviously all the boys are like the away teams, like fuck, we're in Vegas, like we're having a good time. There's got to be a little bit of that in Scottsdale too, and and like you said, the rink mullet is just a different feel for them. But yeah, I mean, I've always liked this this Coyotes roster. I just think. They have some players who are a little sneaky, a little undervalued, um, a little underrated. And I just thought, you know, if th- some of those guys had good seasons, especially like Nick Schmaltz, Clayton Keller, if 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 Logan Cooley can figure it out, he's going to be a superstar too. I mean, if that's all you need, three of those guys, and then if you could build around them, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be a solid team, man. I agree, and especially the way they're playing lately. Nicky sticks four goals in the last three games. Clayton Keller playing really well. And the biggest piece of this puzzle is Connor Ingram. He is playing unbelievable back there. He looks so good, square to the puck. I don't know goaltending for shit, but when I see a goalie and when he's on, I can tell. And he's fronting everything. He's fighting around screens. He's getting to the top of the paint. He just looks so calm. And when you you know a goalie's really on, Ozzy, is that first save when it's just either gobbled up or it's directed straight to the corner. And that's what Ingram's doing right now. And for sure, it's cool to see, especially just like I said, I, I mentioned $54 million in actual space they filled up. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Imagine you could go out and get $30 million worth of players. That's a number one center. That's another. It's outrageous. And like yeah. four or five more good players at about $3 million. So what the dogs are actually doing is pretty crazy, and I hope they put Bill Armstrong in a position come February, like, hey, fella, we're adding because we want to win a playoff series. Imagine how mm. mad Gary Bettman would be if this oh my God, playoff be game mullet, dude, the mullet. Yeah. Oh, that would be just Oh, terrible. it'd be so Vegan. funny. It'd be so it'd be funny. be so funny. 5,000 seats. Like, your revenue sharing is not looking great after that. How, Jordan, how long do they have until they're out of that? Um, that cap hell that they're in. Well, they took it on themselves. So the reason why teams take on long-term injured reserve money is because insurance, to my understanding of the CBA, pays about 60 to 80% of that. So you're able to get to the cap floor without actually spending as many real dollars, right? So the advantage of- Oh, so it's kind of just, they're being cheap. They're just fucking cheap. Yes, they're cheaping out. So it's a way to get to the floor and a way not to spend as much money because insurance covers a lot of the portion of guys on long-term injured reserve. A guy like Voracek, they had Datsuk on there. They had Hosa. They've had all these guys on there, Weber, where you can eat up a bunch of your cap and not be obligated to the money because insurance is paying it. So that's why they do it. And that's how they're able, like right now, if you look at cap friendly, like 
they've spent $80 million, but in real money, they've only, they're only spending 54 million. So it's just a way to finagle the cap. I don't like it, but. You think that's, is that up to the owner, Jordo? Is that like the GM's got to be like, Hey, like, let me spend some money. And the owner's like, no, fuck you. Like let's sign fucking, let's sign Chris Pronger. Right. So it's a little bit with the GM. Okay. We're going to do this five-year rebuild. How do we accumulate picks? Well, let's take on some LTIR money and we'll get a third rounder. We'll get a, a pair of second rounders. We'll get a, you know, a third, fourth and a fifth. And then maybe a first, you know, just different things where you can accumulate draft picks, take on some money where you're not actually, you know, have to spend real dollars. It's just a way to finagle the cap. Mm-hmm. And teams have been doing it like the Arizona Coyotes for years that are not in win now mode. So I just hope Ozzy, like a tweet today came out with Darren Drager and a couple of the insiders saying that it's all but confirmed that the ownership of the Coyotes has secured a place just to my knowledge, north really? east of Desert Ridge. So it's a little bit east of Desert Ridge, which from my place in North Scottsdale is like 10 minutes. It would be an unbelievable location. But to my sources, and I have boots on the ground over here. I'm not saying I'm a know-it-all, but to me, that land has not actually been secured. It's more smoke and mirrors where it's like it's about done, but it's not confirmed. And we've seen this from the Coyotes in the past where they mm-hmm. kind of release – a headline and it's not exactly true, but everyone in the NHL, including Gary Bettman is coming out and saying that this land is secured. So it's uh it's funny how this always works. I just hope they can figure it out, man, because as you know, they need to down here, if they had a rink and they had a practice rink side by side, like it's top one in the league. Like yeah. You know, for me, at least top three to five for most others, I'm biased. Is that, is that land is that land like in a good spot? Cause I know where they're playing now is just the most ridiculous spot ever. No one can get to it. That's why they didn't have fans. Oh. I mean, not now, but before they were playing yes, at mullet. The land so this spot's empty. better. This spot oh. they they're supposedly buying is better. This spot would be so juice. It's right off the one Oh one on the North side. So The one Oh one runs like a loop runs all runs North, South, East and West. So it's on the North side of the one Oh one easy access from the 51. So if you're coming up from Paradise Valley, South Scottsdale, mm-hmm. cut the valley right in half. For the North Scottsdale folk, it's just up Scottsdale Road. Or if you live in North Scottsdale, just on that side of the 101, it's a couple miles west. Now, if you're traveling from Peoria, Buckeye, some of these other places that are further west, it's easy to get to. Even Glendale, 15, 20 minutes. It's a very good location where there's a lot of money around it. And more importantly, all the hockey fans are on this side of the valley. So Ozzy, if they can secure this and get this thing going, get wheels in motion, man, it's going to be so juicy. I just have a hard time saying it's a full go until it's confirmed because to all my accounts, it's not confirmed, even though they are portraying like it is. So we'll, uh, we'll stay on that front. Um, Exciting news. I hope they can get it done, but let's move over to the, well, let's touch on this first, Ozzy. I wanted to touch on, so last week, John Tortorella came out and was talking about the hit Garnett Hathaway delivered on, I believe it was Luke Hughes. Um, Luke Hughes, yep. Yep. It was after the whistle. It was a play that was like, you know, uh, it was supposed to be an icing, but it ended up being not. The referee, the linesman missed it, and Hathaway ends up smoking Hughes. He gets him in the shoulder. He goes down. He was not able to finish that game. But Torts came out and basically said, look, 
It's unfortunate what happened to Hughes. He's a great young player in the league. But at some point, there's got to be some onus on the guy getting hit. Like, And it starts to me at the lower levels. Like, Why are we not teaching these kids how to take a hit, how to receive a hit? It's just, you know, or give a hit. It's just to me like something that's a lost art and it's still hockey at the end of the day. But do you remember growing up? Like that was one thing mm-hmm. we used to do. We used to go to oh, hitting, yeah. hitting schools. You do it in the summer. 100%. You not only go to the Turcott stick handling school, but you go to a body checking clinic and learn yeah. how to hit. And I think it's such, such a lost art. It's such a people don't want the physicality in the game, but at the highest level, it's always going to be there because again, the Stanley cups on the line, NHL jobs are on the line. What do we got to do Ozzy in terms of bringing back the physicality in the lower levels? Because to me, if you start hitting even at a squirt age, the impact's not going to be big, man. These kids aren't skating fast. It's not like it's going to be a full on collision where you're getting blown up. Like how can we go about this where kids are learning to hit and also more importantly, learning how to, receive a hit at the younger ages so by the time you get to peewee bantam high school okay it's just it's accepted and it's also you have your head on a swivel because now guys are skating around like there's if you get touched it's like oh my god why did i get hit and then no now there's a fight it's like yeah that's not how the game's played no it it definitely starts at the beginning i don't know like i don't know when we got this thought that you know taking a hit isn't a skill it is you have to know how to do it you have to be prepared for it and it's like this like luke hughes he obviously grew up in this you know younger era where it's just all skill and he's not looking he's not thinking some guy is coming to blow him up well you're looking at this guy in the flyers garnett hathaway the guy's been blowing people up for how many years in the national now it's like you know this do you not know this guy's forechecking like that's part of the game too know who you're on the ice against you know which guys are coming for you they're coming for blood you got to be prepared for that it's like you're skating down the ice and garnet hathaway is skating full speed you don't think he's going to give you some body there even if it is icing he's probably finishing That's might take I mean. a two minute like it's like you got to be prepared for that and luke hughes when you're watching that it looks like he's like he was so surprised that he got hit it's like how are you surprised this guy runs over people all fucking game i just don't get it ozzy as a defenseman too I don't know about you, but I think you're in the same boat where any time there was a play on the puck on the icing, especially two guys racing to it, and yes, it probably is going to be an icing, I still had my head on a swivel because you don't know. You don't 100%. know if the guy's going to hear that. Yeah. You don't know if he's going to slow up. He could fucking run you through the end wall, and your chin is on the glass. It's like you always have to be ready to get hit. And always. I don't understand, especially at the National Hockey League level, how is that not a thing anymore? Like you can't just skate around with your – head glued to the ice and then someone takes your you know shoulder out or puts your you know face on the ice it's like mm-hmm. how do people not know and guys like you're just not expected to get hit anymore i mean come on it's hot i know and yeah like where's it going you know what what why are you not ready for that i, I know it was icing but it's like it's hathaway man like yeah you know he i know luke hughes, hughes knows Hathaway, he's going to run you over. Like, he knows that going into the game. Every defenseman knows every forward that's coming for you, and he's going to finish every time. And that's obviously, I mean, Garnett Hathaway is one of the main guys in the league that finishes his check every time. I just don't understand. And situationally, like, know who you're playing against. Know who's on the ice. Did you always know who was on the ice? I mean, I did. I knew when Mike Davis was on the ice. I know when Ryan Reeves was on the ice. Every time. Yeah. I knew when these guys were on the ice. 
how do you not know? I don't know. It To me, it just starts, and I completely agree with Torts, it starts at the younger levels. I think hitting needs to be introduced. I think kids just have to get comfortable and be comfortable with a little body contact because that's part of the game. It's not going anywhere, at least no. to my knowledge. I think Hopefully fans, not. I know. Yeah. I, I think like until that time comes, I think it needs to be instilled at a younger age. So Torts, good on you, fella. I love when he's in the press. Good friend of Dane Jackson, who was our obviously our head coach or assistant coach, sorry, at North Dakota. Um, good friend of his, just a beauty. So let's move along, Ozzy, to the Detroit Red Wings. Just want to touch on them. Six, two, and two in the last 10 games. We had Darren McCarty on Hockey Night in Scottsdale last week. Talk about an absolute beauty. Sober now, but did light up a joint. Four-time mug winner. <laughs> he was touching on just how cool and how good Stevie Y is. And this yeah. guy is building something special yet again in the Motor City. He did it, obviously, as a player. He did it down in Tampa Bay. They went, to, went, went on to win two mugs. And I just think this team was showtime back in the mix. He's going to debut sometime this week in a Red Wings spoked wheel jersey that they're a playoff team to me if they can get showtime to a level of a point per game, maybe a little bit under that, especially – linking up with the Brinkett again, it's going to be exciting. I think times are good in Detroit, and they're only going to get better. Great coach there in Newsy Lalonde, a.k.a. Derek Lalonde. So just touch on that, Ozzy. Touch on – well, first, just touch on that gritty, Selly. Just give me some thoughts on that about Walman. <laughs> like, come on. Like, before you – give me the one-two punch, but just touch on that first because I I got to get this off my chest. Yeah, I mean, Jordan, the, uh, the gritty – I'm going to be honest. I don't know Walman personally. Um a great player. Obviously, he's got a natty ring, plays in the national. But goal was nasty. I love the slap shot goal in overtime. And uh, the gritty, it was creative. I like that. You got to have some moxie. You got to have some confidence to pull that out. Um, obviously, I don't think the guy's like planning on scoring a goal. So, you, you know, when you pull out these sellies, you got to think about them before. Like, I might tuck tonight. I'm going to think about my celly. You know, it's kind of something goal scorers do. Um, so it was pretty moxie by him. But, yeah, I mean, these Red Wings, like you said, Stevie Y, Darren McCarty, by the way, I watched a little bit of your hockey night in Scottsdale. It was hilarious. Um, you guys were trying to, like, you guys were trying to, like, comment on the game, and he's just not even watching the game, just telling stories. And he, like, he was just going off. And you, guys, you, were, you kept, like, kind of commenting on the game, and he's like, what's that? And you're like, oh, no, sorry, keep going. It yeah. was did hilarious. You, did you catch the part where I asked him? It was pretty cool just to talk about the old war stories. And the one year in Grand Rapids, he said he had 45 fighting majors. Like, talk about <laughs> throwing both ways. That was insane. Dude. And then did you catch the part where he said, I asked him because I knew he was a big motorcycle guy. The guy used to ride, and I knew this just from hearing down the grapevine in years prior from guys that played in Detroit with him. He would ride his hog to Joe Lewis arena, like in the middle of winter, like he'd be on his chopper, no bucket leather jacket showing up to the Joe. And in Detroit, I mean, it snows almost every goddamn day yeah. there. Like, yeah. How nails is that? It's so nails, man. That guy was insane. I, I mean, if he, if anyone remembers watching the guy, he, he was an absolute nutcase. I mean, he's an unbelievable NHL players, crazy story. Um, obviously went through some tough times. It was funny to see him on that show though. He was, he was all fired up. Anytime there was a little shove around, he's like, let's fucking go. Fucking get him. You know, he's like, fucking drop him. 
It's like, yeah, yeah. it's not, not the same game anymore. Not the same game anymore, Darren, but we'll, we'll oh, get after it a little bit. He was such a nail gun, and he was a guy that learned under a guy like Bob Probert. So just yeah, crazy, crazy stories, veteran of the game, beauty. I mean, I think he's been to hell and back. So good on him. He's sober now, California sober, as I would say. So D-Mac, we'll have to try to get him on because he was a legend. And actually was pretty smart with like the way he could articulate and understand a game. I mean – He's a guy that played under Scotty Bowman and was around a lot of good hockey minds. So he was really interesting for the parts he was, we were picking his brain and he was kind of, for sure, you know, telling us different things and how he sees the game. So that was cool. And then obviously the stories of, of just him being him. So D Mac fella, shout out to him, but the gritty Ozzy, I think you're right. I think I got to change my approach on that. I was, I was kind of hating, you know, I was hating it a little bit to start. I was like, what the fuck's this guy doing? Like, you know, well, you yeah. know him a little bit, right? Like you know yeah. kind of who he is. So that that plays a factor. You right. know, if you know the guy, a, you know, uh, he's all right. You know, he's an, he's a decent yeah. kid. I think just yeah, we'll leave it at that. Uh <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> it just bothered me a little bit, but I think you're right. I think that's where the game's going. I just don't like when guys bring up like Fortnite and these things like just just say you're gritty. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a Fortnite guy. I play real sports, Kenny Powers, so I thought that was uh, yeah. Let's go with it. Cool. He's got a, his own bobblehead now, so we'll move along. Does he? To, uh, Wallman's yeah. got his own bobblehead. Yeah, gets you a bobblehead, I guess. So good on him, Jakey Wallman. Keep gritting. I will stop hating over here. Uh, I because as a guy that likes a good selly, so. But no, Jordan. I'll touch on Stevie Y a little bit. Yep. It is insane what he's able to do. You see him do it in Tampa. He does it as a player. The guy's got to be a wizard. I don't know if you've ever talked to him or met him. But I mean, he, he's got to he's got to be dialed in somehow because this roster Detroit has really isn't. They've got some good young talent, you know. They've got Moritz Sider. He might, you know, he might be one of the best demon in the league coming up here. I think Mason Raymond's coming up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 cool to see what they're doing. It's great to see Detroit back in the game because when we were growing up, you know, that was kind of one of my teams I watched with Nicholas Lidstrom, Zetterberg. Datsuk, you know, Nicholas Cronwell. Oh my God. That was fun to watch that guy, but it's good to see. It's good to see the Detroit Jersey back in the action, kind of making some waves. It's just, it's nice to see some of those whenever an original six team kind of goes through a slide and they come back, you just realize their jerseys are so nasty and it just feels good that they're back in the game. Absolutely. When Detroit is good, Motown in the mix, Red Wings fans rocking original six. I mean, you mentioned it. It's just good for the game, and they seem to be on the up and up, and that's awesome. And especially adding a guy like Showtime, like we said, never hurts. So, Azo, last little thing I wanted to say was boots on the ground at Mullet Arena on last Thursday, I believe it was. Yes, it was. It was Kale McCarr was in the building. I'm going to go right now and say I think he's the best player in the league. I really believe that. I think he's a guy that even – when they're at their best and call me crazy, but I think he is better or more electric than a guy like Connor McDavid, which is nuts to say, but just watching him twirl around the sheet, doing whatever he wants, especially at the defensive position, one man breakout on the opposing team's goal line, two strides. He's back in the mix on a back check stick lifts a guy by the red line. Like he's unbelievable. So a guy, I just love to watch play probably my favorite. It's funny. It's funny. You mentioned that because I've had that thought before too, and I know we we usually always agree on these things, but 
I've mentioned that to people before. I'm like, this guy, I think he's the best fucking player in the league. I know we got Connor McDavid here. I know we got Nathan McKinnon. I know we got these other guys. But God damn it, this guy's playing defense. And if you watch him skate out there, I don't know where this guy learned to skate. It's insane. The, the amount of moxie he has in his skating at the point when he's last man back, it doesn't make sense. When I mean, he's so valuable out there, the guy can play 25, 26 minutes a night. No oh, problem. Yeah. And forward. he's just like, he's as much of an offensive threat as the best forward in the league. And he can defend. Like he hits guys. He defends well. Like you said, he stick lifts. It's, it's nuts. I don't, I don't know where this guy came from, why he went to UMass. Um, but it's, it's, UMass. it's so much fun to watch, man. He's so much fun to watch. Yeah. Just watching that game, he was doing whatever he wanted on the ice. It was like, he was playing, it would be like us in college playing against a, U16 yeah. team, it looked like. Yeah. And he's playing the National Hockey League team. He was all over the ice. I mean, no one could touch him on his breakouts, a little deception, you know, a little shimmy shake, a little quick play with his feet, two strides. He's basically to his own blue line from the goal line. He's on the offensive zone goal line. He's back up at the point. He's spinning off guys. He's throwing pucks to the net. He had a great goal where he walked the line, shot back against a grain, short side cheddar right against Ingram's ear. Like, it's just unbelievable to watch him play. And to say, it's not even close between him and McKinnon when they're at their best is wild to say, but to me, I don't think it is he's head and shoulders above him. and he watching is. McDavid even he's better than McDavid. At least in my humble opinion, I know nothing, but when I see that guy play, I'm like, that's the best player in the league. So Azo, let's move over to the gridiron brother. Let's get to our picks from last week. Starting with you, you had a funny ass day. He, you took the, <laughs> L.A. Chargers minus six at New England. That game ended up being 6-0 Chargers. So that is one way to push. <laughs> six Cobb, fella. What a game. Did you watch or see any of that game? I uh, I flipped through it, and I was like, Jesus Christ, I can't watch this game. You know, I, I have the old YouTube TV, you know, four screens up there. So you got all four games going on at the same time. And that was one of the games on. I don't think I even set my eyes on that game once. <laughs> um, on the four screens. It was hilarious. It's just, I, I don't know what to say about the chart. I mean, it's embarrassing by the, the Pats. The Pats are obviously down bad, but like you're the Chargers. You got Justin Herbert, who people call, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. How do you not put up more than fucking six points on this dog shit New England Patriots team? It's, it, it's embarrassing. Oh my God. And is there anything worse when a game just ends in two field goals? Because it was two field goals, correct? I literally watched none of the game. Oh, I, I, that's what I'm guessing. I, let, let me look. I, I don't Unless know. Unless they missed the PAT, but I it swear was, it, was, it was. It was two field goals. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I, I remember flipping through, and I guess, yes, it was 3 nothing at one point. But, yes, that, I mean, there's nothing worse when it's just, especially that low scoring of a game and two field goals. I mean, you see games sometimes are like 9-6 or – you know, 12, yeah, six or 12, three. It's like, okay, well, like the shitty Bears Vikings yeah, Monday just, night game. Oh my God. When there's just field goals, like, uh, it's just horrible. But that was a funny ass pick. I guess you got the push. No blood there. My pick, Swishy over under 42 and a hook. Chiefs at Packers. That one cashed. I thought that was an easy lock. I mean, sitting here, hindsight's 2020, but I just thought that line was really low at 42 and a hook. Jay Love, 267. Three titters. How are you feeling 36. now? How are you feeling now? 
Like I, I said, Ozzo, I didn't want to judge until the season ended, right? A you lot were of right. Packer fans, they were writing him off. Jay Love you did write right. back. A guy like Casey Perper, he was nervous. He was shaking his boots. Friend of the show was saying, oh, let's get rid of this guy. He sucks. Season's over. I said, hey, let's hold. There's 17, <laughs> 18 weeks down the NFL. Let's see what he can do. Was I very optimistic about him at one point? Not no. really. But I also said, let's see this thing through. And if we need to reevaluate come June or July, we can do that then. But let's see this thing through. And right now, again, there you go, making my heart beat again, baby. You know, he's back. He's playing crispy. I'm going to take him for my pick next week. They're at the New York Football Giants, you know, Jet Life Stadium. Minus six and a half. I think that's a guarantee going into, I believe it's Sunday night football. So that will be my pick for next week. But one thing before you dial in your pick here, Ozzy, Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. And it just seems like a bunch of guys are getting hurt in the NFL this year. Big time players. Starts with Aaron Rodgers. Then you see a guy like Joey Burrow. Then Lawrence. And I'm missing a few others, but it just seems... Like once the NFL you think is getting good again, they lose a star player. And it's kind of mm-hmm. been that year. And another thing I wanted to ask you just following up on this, why doesn't Trevor Lawrence get carted off in that situation? Why is he walking on his knee or ankle? I was wondering, I was wondering just, the same thing. Is it just because he's a football guy? Like what, what, what are we doing here? It might be. Yeah, he wants to walk. I, I get it. You got, you got pride. Like, you know, my, my, my dad always taught me, probably the same as his dad, you know, if you're not dead, you better stand up and yeah. get off the ice. You know, that's what my dad told me. It's probably the same thing, you know, if you're not, if you're not, legs not broken, you're not dead, you better fucking stand up, get off on your own. Um, that's probably what he used. It, it's brutal, these injuries, and you forgot, you know, you forgot Kirk Cousins too. I mean, I know it's Kirk, but... You know, the, the Vikings are a much yeah. different team without him this year. And it's just, these injuries are ridiculous. And with with the way science has gone and, and technology now, you know, we're let, like Elon Musk is landing things on the on Mars and shit. It's like, can we not get a robotic kind of knee or, you know, ankle replacement or elbow, whatever it is. Let's get a robotic thing in there so we don't, you know, maybe it's a week off that these, these guys have to take. And then they, they get this, you know, technology on their knee and they're good to go or whatever we just need something because the nfl is so hard and when you lose some of these qbs there's only think about in the world you know who's good at quarterback there's only like 15 teams that have a good quarterback and then if one of those guys gets injured the 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 backup guy who comes in is not even close to the starter It's, it's not even close on most teams so it's like the the product goes down so much they need to, and I know they're like trying to ban that drop tackle and all these things to keep players safe, which ultimately I think makes the game, you know, waters down the game even more when you're trying to, you know, restrict these defensive players on how to play the game too. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what you got to do. It just, these injuries are such a dagger to the entire season. I don't know what the NFL does to figure it out. Absolutely. And even a guy like Tom Brady came out a couple of weeks ago and I forget where the interview was on, but I saw it all over Instagram and he was basically talking about how the NFL just is not as good as it used to be. It's down a little bit. 
And I don't know what that stems from. If these guys are not being taught certain things, if the talent's down, if it's because of the injuries, but it was just an interesting take from a guy that maybe has a little, you know, pettiness or whatever it is in terms of, you know, not being around the game or being a little bitter, how it ended with a divorce, not being able to play. He probably still wants to play, but he's like, fuck, I can't do it for my family. So just an interesting take from TB12 in terms of why the league seems to be down a little bit this year. Cause I do agree to extent there's only, you know, eight to 10 teams. I'm really excited to watch. And if they're not playing sure. each other, it's like, well, you know, I'm not tuning into Jacksonville, no, I mean, Indiana, it's tough. Yeah. Right? Or, and those teams are actually okay, but some of these teams are, I, I just can't get behind. If the Jets people. playing the Falcon, the Jets playing Atlanta, it's like, I'd rather watch a high school football game. I know. You know so, it sucks. Yeah, it's just, hopefully they can figure that out. And it's just, I don't know. It's maybe it's just me losing touch with the NFL a little bit and going full tilt on hockey and the, the association. But what do you have for your, your lock of the week this week, Azo, coming up? believe it is week 14 so what did you have for uh for your lock yeah i got i'm gonna go um so the eagles and cowboys are playing sunday night football in dallas the cowboys are favored by three and a half points i'm taking the eagles i you know if you saw the eagles against the 49ers i think they got blown out pretty good they didn't look too good but they had played three games in i think like a span of like 13 or 14 game 14 days so they were kind of you know beat up a little tired and i just do not trust dallas primetime playing a really good eagles team i just think that is set up for dallas to kind of you know underwhelm their hometown crowd and kind of lay a lay an egg they're they've all they're always doing that thing i especially with dak and this team i think they're kind of notorious for doing that so that's that's going to be my pick i think the eagles are going to pull that one out i think the eagles are good um I think they come back this week and, and kind of beat Dak at home. Okay, folks, you heard it here first. We got Packers minus six and a hook at Jet Life, a.k.a. Met Life, against the New York football giants. And then we have Ozzy's pick as well. So stay tuned on those. Selly of the week, Ozzo, I'm going to start us off. The Bengals. Did you see that celebration? I believe I sent it to you earlier today or maybe last night. Uh, it was hilarious. They hit that. So they started off, all the big boys got in front. I believe it was after a Joe Mixon touchdown in Cincinnati as like a six-yard run. And they hit the AB, which is the Antonio Brown. For the folks that don't know, he has this dance that all the guys in the NFL have been doing for the last couple of years. It's called Put That Shit On, where you get your fingers going back to side to side. They hit that. They had a little wiggle, a little juke. And then Orlando Brown shouted into the camera that was filming all the fellas, He's like, jackass. And after the game, so it was so funny at the time, like he just yells like a random, just jackass, like straight out of Happy Gilmore when he's about to swing. And after the game, they interviewed him and they're like, what was that about? You know, why did you yell jackass into the camera? And he goes, oh, I was just shouting out my pet goldfish, jackass. It's just like, (laughs) so sick. Number one, you still have a pet goldfish and what? My pet goldfish. How is it still living? And that you're just, you know, totally chill with just yelling jackass and probably having to eat about 10 K on the chin for a fine <laughs> yeah. that, you know, Roger Goodell is going to crack down on. So that was my celly. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, just yelling a random jackass will never get old. So what did you have over there? I had, 
again, I, I feel like this gets brought up every week, but it's the Miami Dolphins again. They get on the, they get in the end zone, they sit on the floor, and they all get in the roller coaster ride and ride the roller coaster. Unbelievable. These guys are just, they've got to have some like director or writer just writing the shit up. Like, there's no way they're thinking, like, are these guys thinking about this on, their, on themselves? Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they have, are. Like, it's insane. Did you so did you see the footage of them earlier in the week? I believe it was Thursday. It came out, it came out after the fact on Sunday. But they're practicing all week for these celebrations. So they were literally lining up practicing this with like the big boys, the <laughs> of offensive course. line. They had Tyreek Hill in there. They had a couple of the other guys. And how funny Ozzy was that Selly where my favorite part of it when they were getting strapped into the roller coaster when they had like the yeah, that was, was the best. Down, <laughs> yeah, it in. It was so sick. So good. <laughs> like it was unbelievable. Waiting to get strapped in, <laughs> and then you're locked and loaded. Like you're locked and loaded. Yeah. Like you're at fucking Six Flags Great America, about to hit the raging yeah. bull. Like it was unbelievable. Those guys, I feel like they have so much fun, and it's led by their head coach. And I just think those guys are doing it right. Did you hear that story about Mike McDaniel? Is that actually confirmed? Where he stole his bird? Like yeah. his, his current wife from one of the players, he was like basically like, "Hey man, I think they were at a wedding maybe, or they were at some sort of dance. I believe it was a wedding, but I think he went up to the player and it was like dancing with his now wife. And he's like, "Hey man, get away from her." He's like, "If you keep dancing with her, like I'm gonna make sure that you never play again." It was one like in a lower league. It wasn't the NFL, but I forget. No, it was it was a little while ago, but yeah, that's true. He did, and that's how it's he wheeled, like that's how he wheeled his now wife. Like yeah. you have to have a set of moose knuckles on you to do that. The guy clearly does. I mean, look, you look at him. He's an NFL head coach. You got to be a certified fucking galvanized steel nail gun to coach in the NFL head coach. And this right. guy looks like a puny little fucking nerd, but the guy's clearly got some moxie to him. I mean, he's, cool. he's wheeling chicks from players. He's head coaching the fucking Miami dolphins. He's wearing those off. He's wearing those off-white sneakers that like come with a tag on them. I'm pretty sure those shades he has on are either Tom Ford or Prada. Like, uh-huh. those are only shades. Maybe a guy like Keaton Thompson could pull off. You know, those are uh, <laughs> yeah. those are pretty yeah. swaggy. So, Azo, let's get to our last segment here. Nail gun of the week. I'll start us off while you're sipping away. I had Jim Leland. Jim Leland, the former manager of the Detroit Tigers. I believe a couple other teams, but I. I got to know who Jim Leland was when he was managing those teams with Kenny Rogers, AKA the gambler, Miggy over in Detroit, like those really good Detroit teams. And the thing I always admired about Leland was he would still smoke darts in the dugout. Like he would be like a carton a day of marble while his team was playing. And this was modern day baseball. This wasn't like the 1970s. This is Jimmy Furta Leland lighting up at Comerica park, like playing for like the 2006 2009 World Series, and I just thought it was so cool. He got inducted into Cooperstown this past week, and his speech was so good. He did a little interview after at the panel with MLB Network, and the one quote that really hit home with me was, you know, he basically said, this was what he said, it was, if you mislead a player, you lose them forever. If you tell them the truth, you lose them for about 24 hours. And I just think that's so true, and as you know. For sure. As a high-level athlete like you've been, Ozzy, now we're just a couple washed-up beauties. But that is so true. If you just tell me straight, I won't give a fuck. But if you start playing these head games and you're asking mm-hmm. for my phone like Babs and doing these weird things of why I'm not playing, 
well, now I'm going to tune you out and now you're not going to get the best me. And now I'm probably going to be traded or sent down or cut. And so I just thought that was so cool. It's so simple. So in such a simple message and so easy to do, but it gets lost a lot of the time. So shout out to Jimmy Leland, a guy that would smoke about a carton of darts a day and still be able to manage and just a full-time beauty. Every guy that's ever played for him, I've read, uh, just raves about him. So Jimmy Leland, Jimmy Furta Leland, funneling darts, making Cooperstown. That's my nail gun of the week. That was a great call. I love that. I saw that too. Um, his acceptance speech, especially what you said, his little slogan there. Um, it's a tough thing to do. You know, the player is going to be pissed off at you if you're honest with them, but it's what's best for them, you know, and you gotta, you gotta bite that bullet. And, you know, I know it's, it, it sounds easy, but there's a lot of coaches that don't do it. And the best ones I think do. So that was a great call. Um, I've got a couple nail guns of the week. I wanted to shout out Victor Hedman. I've loved watching the guy for a while. Just played his thousandth game in the National League. Um, that guy is, he's been unbelievable since he stepped in the league. He's a fucking absolute monster on the back end. I had to shout him out. And then my second one is going to be Pat McAfee. He's, uh, he's at the Georgia-Alabama game, college game day. And he's picking it. He's picking who's going to win the game. And he starts chanting George's, George's chance. They all say it with him and he finishes. And then he's like, I'm going to Alabama roll tide. And it was just, it was unbelievable TV. It was unbelievable entertainment. That guy is such a nail gun, man. I love McAfee. I love what he's doing with the media game nowadays. And, you know, he also shouts out hockey now on ESPN, which is huge. So I had to shout him out for that. I love it. Pat McAvee, I don't think anyone works harder. Yeah, the guy makes an absolute bag, but I was just talking this at lunch day with my brother, my dad. Like, you see that guy on ESPN, you turn on the TV, he's on all the fucking time. I mean, he's, he's on every day. He's doing college dude, game. Does he have a day off? That guy has to work so much, man. He's everywhere. And you know, you know how much prep work that takes? You know, I mean, oh, it's, it's a lot. We do Man, one show he, a week, and I feel like yeah. I'm grinding over here. He's doing three hours Exactly. A day. It's yeah, nuts. So. Azo, last shout-out I wanted to give. Eldrick Woods is back. He played in his own tournament this past week at the Hero World Challenge down in the Bahamas. Shot even par. Looked like he was walking better. An interview after said his body feels a lot better. It's coming along. Yes, there's still the bumps and bruises, and he's going to have to be able to – manage that in terms of shooting for his goal of playing one tournament a month but eldrick seems like he's in better spirits looked pretty good shot okay for all things considered but a funny tweet i saw out there floating around the last couple of weeks was apparently eldrick is still texting guys on the tour now he'll give him a text at like four in the morning you know it probably guys like justin thomas some of these guys he's mm -hmm. close with that he plays yeah. in jupiter but he'll fire him a text at like four in the morning and be like, hey, I'm working out. What are you doing? You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's such a gun, you know, like just getting the edge on the boys, putting them in their place, the young pups, like, hey, fella, I'm still fucking coming for your neck. Yeah. Car crash later, divorce, couple perfect <laughs> waitresses. I'm still at your chin. This so nails, man. Yeah. Unbelievable. And he looked so jacked, too. Did you see him? Yes. The, you know, him walking away, the back view. His back, I mean, he looks like a goddamn bodybuilder. It's insane. Did you see him walking into the course with a cutoff on? Back, yeah. Hat backwards. I was like, this guy has some absolute Wesley pipes on him. So 
Over here at Live and Five, we love Eldrick Azo. I think it's about time we send it over to Patty Maroon. We interviewed him a couple weeks ago. Uh, I believe it was last week, just before the coaching change. We kind of asked him what the Wild needed to do. They obviously bring in a guy like John Hines, Dean Evanson, and Bob Woods packed their shit. Don't look now. They've won three in a row. Big Rig still playing well. I believe he has 11 points in 22 games. So good to see the Big Rig turning it around. He even said that, you know, they're going to turn it around. They're going to get going. Yes, the coaching change is a little bit of a kick in the ass, but good tape to tape as always, Ozzo. Let's send it over to the Big Rig. Folks, I think you'll like this one. That was live in five. All right, I'm going shades on because I'm like Johnny Chanson at the poker table. Ah. <laughs> All right, hopefully you don't fucking butcher this, but I got it. A nice little thing for you here, fella. All right. Folks, we are now pleased to be joined by the pride of South County St. Louis. Roller hockey legend and three-time Stanley Cup champion, this big rig came up through the ranks of the North American Hockey League with stops in Texarkana, his hometown St. Louis, and eventually onto the London Knights of the Ontario Hockey League, where he finished his storied junior career. This fellow went on to scratch and claw his way to the National Hockey League after playing over 350 American Hockey League games. Not one, not two, but three-time champ has been the glue to every organization he's ever spent time with. A veteran of 747 NHL games and counting. Your hometown hero, baby, and current wild forward. Folks, please welcome Patty the Big Rig Maroon to the Live and Five podcast. What's up, Patty? How you doing, baby? Killed it. That was good. That was a good intro. Great intro. Thanks, man. Uh, no, thank you for joining us. We were talking a little bit before we went on air here, but you are in Detroit, so we thank you for joining us on the road Patty, how you doing, man? What's up? Long time. Uh, we haven't chopped it up, but you always a, a dear friend of the show. Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Um, just find our way in Minnesota right now. I've been struggling as a team, but everything's been good. Settling in Minnesota right now, living in Indiana, so it's been great, man. But I love what you guys are doing. I love uh, – I look forward to your morning Snapchats on Instagram. <laughs> Not, what is it, 97 – 93-1, the fella. 93-1. Yes. yes. No, that's, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And, Patty, let's just jump into that right away, man. I mean, you come over from Tampa Bay. You spent time, you know, before that in St. Louis. You go to four finals. And, you know, it, it just seems that Tampa Bay, it, it just, you know, there's they always were, again, you guys were always against the cap. And, you know, you were one of the casualties that had to go. Obviously, a big piece in that locker room. You were probably bummed to start when you heard the news, but you maybe – heard rumblings it could happen but you find your way to minnesota you personally have got off to a really good start the team yes has struggled but how has that transition been from coming to tampa right off the beach baby back into uh the northwest and back into the midwest which you're accustomed to yeah it's good i think uh obviously i knew it was going to happen i just didn't know when um but yeah i think when you're in an organization for so long sometimes it, it it runs dead a little bit right so um, they wanted young guys to play. They wanted more looks, and, um, and I think that's fair, right? When you're when you're in an organization for four years and you've done everything you probably possibly can as an organization and as a player, um, you know sometimes it's time to move on. And you know I'm happy. I'm I'm in a team that's 
obviously we're off to a rough start, but we have all the tools to, you know, to make a good run. Um, um, but for me, it, I've been settling in really good, getting an opportunity to play here. Um, I feel like I'm off to a pretty good start right now and um, playing with a lot of confidence, but it, it seems like it's been a really good fit for me. And um, so, yeah, hopefully we can turn this thing around here, which I think we will. Just need to kind of block out all that negativity that's been surrounding us right now. And, and uh, guys are a little bit snake bit, but all in all, it's been awesome, man. Minnesota, it's a hockey town. The fans are great. You know, that barn's rocking every single night. Um, and the town's great. I live in Edina, like I said, and, you know, it's easy to get around. And uh, people are so friendly. And, uh, you know, the transition has been very, very smoothly. And the guys have been helpful, right? A lot of veteran guys in that room that helped out a lot. And uh, it made everything a lot easier. For sure. And I, I think that room in general, and I don't know, you know, I never played for the Wild, but I know a decent amount of guys, especially guys like Hartsey. I've heard Felino, Moose. There's a lot of good pieces in that room in terms of leadership. So, Patty, how do you come in, you know, playing in four finals, winning three mugs where there might be a little bit of a panic, but but I feel like a guy like you, you're you're so even keel. There's no bullshit with you. And at the same time, you can be a really calming factor to a room. So how do you keep these guys going and just using your experience in terms of, like, hey, fellas, we can still turn this thing around. we got a great group in here and ultimately just push this team over the hump. Because a lot of times, as you know, it gets negative quick, whatever sport you're in, especially at the level you are. But you've been there. You've done it. So how do you kind of provide that just veteran backbone, I guess, because you were always a guy that was just so calm and always seemed to be optimistic when things were shit were kind of hitting the fan. Yeah, I just think, you know, when frustration hits inside the room, that's just when it goes sideways, right? You got to find a way to calm down, calm down yourself, um, find a way to get everyone on board because when everyone's tensed and, you know, before a game or, um, you know, it just feels like it's just another game, like, fuck, I feel like it's, if they score, here we go again. For me, I just try to put some positivity in the room, try to speak when I can, uh, say my piece. But, you know, like, you you know me, like, I like to have a good time. You know, I like to have fun. I like to keep things loose in the locker room. But I, I also say things when I need to say things. But um, for me, I learned from so many veterans uh, coming up and just learning from them and, you know, listening to them when they spoke and, Guys like Timo Solani, Saki Corview, um, obviously Getsy, Perry, those guys that you learn from at such a young age, you know, you, you have that calm demeanor that they had, when, you know, and I've always yeah. had that. And they, they always wanted to just go out there and have fun. When we're in slumps, you got to go out there and embrace it and have fun. Dude, we're playing in the National Hockey League. We're not playing anywhere else. Like, we're playing in the best league in the world. Right. So you might as well go out there and give it everything you got. Obviously, some nights – you thought you should have won and we lose, but you know, that's, that's the way it is sometimes. Right. And uh, for us, it seems like nothing's going our way, but we just got to calm down our locker room and just knock out all that negativity. Obviously media is all over us right now. And uh, everyone's probably shocked at where we're at in the standings, but still a lot of hockey left. It just, it kind of reminds me of those, the St. Louis time where we were struggling there for so long and, you know, I just couldn't find any positivity in that room. And uh, I felt like in that room, we always found positivity. And I think we're going to, we're on that verge. We're going to start finding positivity here and finding things that we can get through. And 
if I can help a voice, uh, keep guys loose, uh, do whatever I can. But for me, I just, I like to be me because there's no reason to be someone different. And, um, you know, I, I got to stay even kill and uh, try to have a voice and try to be someone that anyone can come up and talk to. And, uh, and I can be yeah. someone I can be there for. So uh, if it's veterans that they have advice, if they need some advice, um, you know, and I think that's, I've changed. And it, it's, it's funny because, you know, when you first entered the league, you want to like produce and you want to do all these things. Like now it's just like, you've learned and learned. And it's just like, for me, you got to help these young kids too, right? If right. guys are struggling and you're, you just try to help everyone that's possibly can, that can get through whatever they're getting through. But for us right now, I'm just trying to be someone that be vocal and uh, trying to have a good time and try to keep guys loose and understand that like we are in the National Hockey League. Let's go out there and try to figure it out. Right. And sometimes, Patty, it only takes maybe a karaoke night in University City to sing some Bone Thugs and Harmony, baby, get that ghetto cowboy going, because that's uh, that was something that I always respected, especially, you know, you even you back it up to that, that year I made it, the team out of camp and eventually kind of got fizzed out of there. It is what it is. But you were a guy that, you know, I, I was able to rent your place from and you were showing me the ropes and you're kind of getting me just acclimated to what it takes, you know, finding that fine line of, you know, being able to be serious, but at the same time, you got to have some fun and, and be able to mix it up. Right. Like it's, that's what it's no, about. You, you have to, I think you have to have fun in this game because if you don't, it's just going to be miserable. And I think for yeah. us as athletes, sometimes we're trained as robots. You know, we come in, we do the same system, same things, same drills, same things every single day. And it's repetitive. And sometimes you got to mix it up. And I'm a firm believer in that. And I'm, I'm a firm believer taking young guys out, making sure they feel comfortable because I want them to come in in the morning and chirp me or say good morning to me. And that's what it's all about. You want to bring right. everyone together. It can't just be, oh, this guy's a veteran. I'm never talking to him, right? And I want right. everyone to feel that way. I want guys to come yeah. up to me and chirp me and feel comfortable around me. And that way, if something is going wrong with them, they can be like, hey, man, do you have any advice? Or can I talk to you? Like, or if I see someone down, I can grab them and they can feel comfortable with me talking to them. I think that's what it's all about. And I think, yeah, going out for a couple of beers, absolutely. As a team with the young guys, so they know and, you know, they, you know, that I have their trust. And I think that's important. I think, you know, it's when I was playing, it's such old school way, right? That was such an old school way of like the veterans back in the day. Now it's just like, it's a young man's game, right? And, um, Young guys are making a ton of money, and um, but there's still veterans around that can still help and mold these kids and be good kids and be good teammates and teach them, you know, as they go along in their career and uh, make successful and make a ton of money. So, for sure, for sure. Patty, I, I had a question. I because I was just talking to your trainer, Matt Harder, the other day, and he he's into the he's into the uh, you know the vibrations and the vibes of people. You know, I was talking to him a little bit about that. It's a little bit, a little bit of an Egyptian pyramid shit, but uh, it it's true. I mean, it's like when it rains, it pours. You know, when you're negative, like just more negative shit happens. And we've all, I mean, you've clearly been on teams with ups and downs, and um, you know, we've been on I've been on teams with ups and downs, and you know. I think fans think for the most part it's all on the ice and in practice, but I was always taught from a good guy, Dane Jackson up in North Dakota that, you know, 
you don't just solve it on the ice and in practice. It's solved off the ice as well with the boys, like you said, camaraderie, getting those karaoke nights in. You know, I always thought it was 50 50, honestly. Like, if you want to be a good team on the ice, you got to be a good team off the ice as well. I mean, throughout your years, like, how much would you say put is put on the, you know, just being a team off the ice that has so much to do with getting out of a slump like this when you are a good team? You just can't find goals, can't find wins right now early in the year. No, I, I agree with you 100 percent. I think, um, yeah, I've been on teams where we've been in ruts and, you know, captains said, hey, we're all going for a team beer and we all sit there and we have a team beer. And it's just and I think that's good, though, because you need a night like that. And even if we don't have a game the next day, it's you get to see different personalities. You know, you know, someone has yeah. three beers and you get to see someone different and then they feel open and they feel comfortable and then. I'm a firm believer. I've always said this from day one. If you can hang out outside of the rink, you'll perform better on the rink. And I, I just, it's For always sure. stuck with me. And I think, and when, when there's something going on, if teammate gets hit or slashed, you know, you know, my teammates got my back no matter who it is. And I think that's the most important thing. So, um, yeah, I think you fucking nailed that. I think it's, you got to do it away from the rink. You got to all hang out together and, yeah. you know, and I feel like it will, you'll perform better inside that rink and guys will feel comfortable. And then everyone's fucking, you know, confident. Sure. They have swagger yeah. walking around the room and feeling good. Well, shoulders feeling are loose. Good, you know, <laughs> like I just, I, you know, it's like I said before, the game has changed a lot since I've came into the league, but I mean, yeah. Our St. Louis team, you can attest to that. I mean, I mean, we were fucking tight, and we somehow sure. got out of last place to you know yeah. winning. And it's just all about bonding, man. You got to have bonding. You got to have everyone on board and doing it. And you can never leave a, a soldier behind, man. And I'm a firm believer of that. You can. You always got to have some the whole team. Yeah, I like it. I like Had bringing you- that up. Just I like bringing that up just because. Go ahead, Jordo. I, I like bringing it up just because I think the fans watching, the listeners who are listening right now, they just think it's it all happens on the ice, and they just I just don't think they understand that it's you know it's not about the ice, it's about the other shit too. So, no, I agree, hundred percent. Patty, I just wanted to back it up with you. You know, growing up in Oakville, Missouri, what was the what was the upbringing like? Because you've always, I think you've always been a big boy. You know chubby but effective as you would put it right you know you've always been a big dude and growing up like were you playing i know you were playing roller hockey obviously you were playing ice hockey were you playing football and other sports probably baseball a little bit but like was roller bigger at one point in your life than on the actual ice or how did that work because you always had those nice roller mitts brother like you're a big dude but you know how to massage the hill you got a nice little yeah. trophy, especially around the four by six of the cage you uh you know that's where you made a living <laughs> oh yeah I played basketball in like no way. elementary school and middle school. The teacher was like, hey, do you want to come play center? So I was playing center, but I was getting abused. But I wasn't the best basketball player, but I did it just to do it. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I honestly, like, I loved the game of roller hockey. For some reason, I just fell in love with it. Um, you know, back then, I used to sit in my garage and just stick handle with a golf ball for hours on end and my and I would shoot it against a brick wall in my garage and my dad would come out and be like, Pat, what the hell are you doing? Like, 
stop. You're annoying the piss out of us. But I just always loved it. And my dad um, became best friends with Greg Garsh. And now Sean Garsh is my best friend from St. Louis. And they own this roller hockey rink. They had two roller hockey rinks. And um, I started playing, you know, and I just fell in love with it. I loved roller hockey more than ice when I was younger. Yes, 100%. Because I got to be me. You know, I got to be just jump over the boards and there was no structure. There was no nothing. I was having a blast. I was scoring goals. I was making moves. And and my dad, when I was young, would drop me off at All-American in the summertime at eight in the morning. And I wouldn't, he would give me three bucks and I wouldn't leave until four o'clock, 430 until he picked me up until like, you know, the, the, the league started. And I just sat there and played roller all day long. Me and my buddies, just all day long. Get a pop and Cheetos, and that was it. You know? Pop and Cheetos for the big boy. And back then, that was like 50 cents, you know? For sure. 50 cents. Bag of Cheetos, 50 cents for a soda. You can eat fucking 10 of those, right? So, for me, I just... old slap shot line. Give me a grape and an orange and all that stinking root beer. (laughs) But, yeah, I just... I loved it, man. I I fell in love. But I think that's why... it. It's helped me in ice hockey because I knew I wasn't the fastest player. I was a pretty big kid, but I just learned so much. And roller hockey is more of like a hockey sense, hockey-minded, hands, one-on-one, um, possession. You know, patience, possession. So I just learned. And I had to learn to adapt if I wasn't going to be the fastest skater. And that's how roller just helped me so much. And were you so you you were playing roller hockey and then you were playing like triple A St. Louis amateur blues and after that did you make your way to the North American League or were you playing like double A hockey or were you playing triple A at the time? What was you know Man, I got a crazy story. So um I got drafted to the OHL and um so they Dale Hunter wanted me to come up and that was a year the first year of Labatt Center. So that was like the the first year they went like 28-0, they won the Mem Cup, they hosted the Mem Cup, they won the OHL, they went like 28-0-1-2 to start the season or something. So it was like Corey Perry, Danny Sabret, Robbie Shrimp, Danny Richmond, Dylan Hunter, Mark Mathot. I mean, you can you can name a, a thousand people, right? Brendan Prost, all these guys. So I'm in camp with these guys, and I'm 14, 15 years old, and and I'm – I'm living in London. My mom was with me at the time. It was just me and her living in a hotel and I'm trying out. And, uh, obviously I wasn't going to make the team, but they wanted me to stay in London. So I tried out for, uh, Petroleum Jets junior B team. They wanted me to go there. I got cut. And then I went to Stratford junior B team. They sent me there and, and I was living in Sarnia at the time and I got cut there and I was like, shit, well, what the hell am I doing? Like, right. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. So, and then, um, I went up to uh, New Jersey. I played for the New Jersey Rockets because my, my mom's family, my mom's from Jersey, and um, that wasn't working. I played a couple of games, and then I just came home and I started playing double-A hockey at Midget Major. So, yeah, I was playing double-A hockey when all that was going on. And um, So were you like a senior in high school or were you like a junior at that point? You were 14, 15, a sophomore? Like, I what- would have been um, – nope. What year was that? Yeah, I would have been a sophomore. You'd have been a sophomore. Okay. I would have been a sophomore, yeah. So that that was all going down. And then um, the AAA coach, Scott Sanderson, called. And uh, he's like, hey, I, I want you to come play for us. And I was like, well, I'm not going unless my 
my buddy comes, Timmy Gardner. And uh, so we both went. Another player went with me. So three of us went over mid mid season, and I finished the year with the AAA uh, with the Blues, and then I got tendered by the Bandits, and then the rest was history, man. I don't know. It was just like how fast it all came about. I thought my career was kind of done. I thought it was kind of like, yeah, whatever. I'm playing double A hockey. I'm having a blast. Like, you know, we're back then too. Like, we the coach. And an older vet would drive the minivan to like Chicago or Madison. <laughs> this is like Central States. You guys know Central States hockey, right? Yeah, I so played like, in that uh, growing up with the Madison. Yeah, like it's not. I guess it's double A, but a little bit better than double A, right? Yeah, so, it's, it's like one double A football yeah, versus yeah, you know, it's like Division whatever. one. Yeah. So um, yeah, we were just Boston. I was having a blast, dude. I was having so much fun. I was like, Dad, this is what it's all about. Like, yeah. I don't care where I go in hockey, but this is this is this is great. Like the parents went in college, just the boys. Yeah. But yeah, and then I played AAA and then um I got tendered by um a Texture Can of Bandits and then their mini camp was in um in St. Louis at the time and I had mini camp and Coop's like, I how do we tender this guy? Like he's not making our team. Like there's no yeah. way. Yeah. So I was like, well, shit. Like, <laughs> fuck. Well, this sucks. Like, and Kelly Chase at the time was talking to me. He's like, hey, just work out, have a good summer, like get back. And then that year unfolded. We lost. We lost in regionals to Chicago Chill. And uh, yeah, and then I went to mini camp, and then I went to main camp at Fair State, and uh, had a really good main camp. I committed to Fair State at the end of camp. No way. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. No way. You're about to be yeah. a bulldog. <laughs> yeah. No I way. Fair State at the end of the at the end of camp. So I was already verbally committed going into my junior year. So it was so yeah, everything kind of uh Derek Lawan recruited yes. me at the time. Yeah, I played for Ben um, Green Bay. He's a beauty. I just wanted to touch on Texarkana, brother. Like I got sent down to the jungle from St. Louis to San Antonio one year and I was making my way down there and I actually stepped and Tex stopped in Texarkana and I stopped at like a Chili's and I believe like in 2019 still, they still had a smoking section in that Chili's. Like it was just, what was oh, living man. there? Like, man, that's like hillbilly deluxe down there. Oh dude, it was nuts. So actually I lived with one of the owners. Uh, so Faye J Norma, there was nine of us in one house. <laughs> we called guys. it the White House. It was huge. It was massive. So um, there was three to a room, and then three other guys had the older guys had their own room. Um, but yeah, man, it was nuts. Like so, we played in the fairgrounds, and pretty much, if you think of a fairground, right? It's pretty much muddy. It's a rodeo. Like our locker room was fucking disgusting, but you learn a lot, right? So. We as players, as rookies, we had to help build the rink and lay the ice and paint the ice. <laughs> it was nuts. That's the North American League for you, brother. You're, they're putting you oh, to work. Dude. It's on your own so, down yeah, there. So Texas Canada was great. So Texas was dry. Arkansas wasn't. So you can be driving. One side would be Texas. One side would be Arkansas. Arkansas had all the bar bars. Texas didn't. Sure. So you'd have to go over across, grab beers. Um but yeah, it was nuts. You know what? I went to Texas High. I went to school with Ryan Mallett. Obviously, you guys know Ryan Mallett, right? Quarterback. Oh, yeah. 
So it was not. So like, I mean, our school was outside. We were in trailers and um, <laughs> they. You're in trailers <laughs> going to school? Yeah. <laughs> so it was like outside. So you'd walk outside, go to your classroom. Yeah. And like, yeah. It was, it was yeah, nice. Yeah. And, and football, everything there, right? And right. Uh, these guys walk around. They're they're like they're like big man on campus. And you're like, I want to be friends with these guys. These guys know everyone. Um, but yeah, their facility for football, they had an indoor facility. This thing was crazy, unbelievable, the nicest thing. And so one night we had off on a Friday night, and Arkansas was playing Texas High. So it's a big rival because it's right across the street. We go forty thousand people. Forty thousand. Forty thousand. Dude, it Jesus. was nuts. It like was how, nuts. How, These stadiums, the stadium, did it, was it standing room only? Did it did it seat forty thousand for high school? That's insane. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but like it was twenty twenty five, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it looked, dude. It, I, right. Yeah. It was. I've it seen looked, some. It looked like a freaking. Like yeah, it like, was a sick stadium, like, these, like college yeah, level. We, like their stadiums were off. Like we had a football field, but their football field was off campus. Wow! Like, it was shit. nuts. And we that went is... to this arc. Dude, we were seat, sitting in the nosebleeds. We our seats were so high we couldn't get you, a you're, seat. You're in the we pigeon deck. Yeah, you're in the pigeon deck up there. You couldn't even get <laughs> like a, get a witness spot. that. It was great. Like so. How were the cheerleaders? Not bad, eh? <laughs> no, not bad at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Texarkana was great. Obviously, you can only imagine how bad the ice was. But um, yeah, so man, made... we, we, we used to do Harley nights. So they used to drum up the engine. Because <laughs> you know the fairgrounds are rinks this big, yeah. right? And there's nothing in the back over here. There's nothing behind the nut over there. It's just like two sides of bleacher. So that like you'd be shooting and it'd just be like nothing over there. <laughs> so, so we had we had NASCAR night and they, oh it would be God. so loud in there, dude, like rubbing up their engines. It would be fucking nuts. <laughs> that is hillbilly <laughs> deluxe, oh, baby. I mean, dude, that's, it was that's next I level. I mean, we had we yeah. had this van called Smokey the Bandit. That was our that was our mascot, Smokey the Bandit. So we have to hand it showing so up three sheets of the wind. We wouldn't have ice sometimes, right? Because we were fairgrounds. They they need it. Right. So we'd have to drive to Little Rock and Smokey the Bandits like minivan and hatch on our equipment, drive an hour, practice, drive an hour back. One of the vets would drive, and then we'd have another like minivan. The coat coop would drive one. And then if Little Rock wasn't open for ice, we'd have to drive down the Shreveport. I mean, it was comical, but I mean, you learn so much that in such insane. a short period of time that like, Oh yeah. I mean, I have stories for days, dude. It was nuts. Yeah. It was, that is it so was like, crazy. That was probably was so good life. for your career though. Oh yeah. It probably it helped you so much. It was unbelievable. I mean, you learn, but you got to remember, like we never left each other. So like we were always in the van together. We were always, like, that's our team was so like close and so good. I mean, we lost in the second round that year, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. Like we, we had to do freaking um, training camp in San Antonio. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can't even believe this right now. Like this is literally the jungle. This is North American yeah. jungle league right now. Like how is oh, this yeah. even possible? Like that's oh, yeah. so funny. 
Oh my God. And there were so many teams like all over those divisions. Like, you know, you got Amarillo, New Mexico. Like, you guys are probably busting so goddamn far to play hockey games. And then you're. Yeah, our conference was Wichita Falls, Texas Tornadoes, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Springfield, Illinois, and us. Yeah. And then, so does that team, did they end up folding the year after and then go to St. Louis? Or did it just, did you just go to St. Louis with Coop? Or how did that work? I think uh, Chaser and a couple, he put some guys together and moved them to St. Louis. So originally, they were supposed to build a 2,500 seat arena in Texarkana. But I guess the plans went through, never happened. And then Chaser's like, well, we can't get rid of this team. So I think he got some got some funds together and uh, we moved to St. Louis. But it's funny though, we went from selling out every night in Texarkana, like, 25 to 3,000 a night. Fans mm-hmm. going nuts, loving fights, <laughs> throwing shit on the ice, chirping guys. Like, it's it was great. Oh, yeah. Marble reds and keystones on that neck <laughs> of the woods. You know what I and mean? Then, uh, yeah. And then we went to St. Louis to having 25 to 50 fans a night. So it was just like – but it was nice playing in my hometown. Like, I finished high school at my high school I was at. So yeah, right. it was good. It's just crazy, Patty, like – you started off with Coop and you guys ended up winning a championship, I believe, that year with St. Louis, right? And it just seems to me that, I mean, it's it's true. It's in the writing that a guy like Coop has won everywhere he's gone. And it's just crazy to, that it starts right there with you. You're at the grassroots of it. Like, was he the same coach? And for folks that don't know who Coop is, John Cooper, obviously the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, was he the same kind of guy? Just, I don't know, he just seems like such a player's coach and just like, understands what gets each individual going and even a guy like i play with for Derek lalonde who's now the head coach of the detroit red wings i played for him in green bay and we ended up winning there like he's cut from that same fabric of coop being one of his disciples i would say but just like back it up to coop back in those days was he basically the same guy patty just a little bit more polished now yeah I, he's the same guy like he hasn't changed one bit um but he's such a good talker, right? He 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 walks into the room and everyone listens. He understands when to sit, when to talk. He understands when to kind of be hard and push the guys. And I think uh, he's got that mentality. But I think a lot of people don't understand. He's so smart. He he he's so knowledgeable to the game, and the way he teaches the game, and the way he gets his players to understand and work and. Um, and then the people, and then the players trust him, right? And then once they see it start working and start building, and then players start to trust it. And but he's such a, he's a good communicator. I give him that. I give him full credit in that. He he gets the best of every player. Uh, he understands how to communicate with guys. Um, you know, he knows when to pull guys aside and talk. And I think you need that. You need personality in this league. Um, and he's got that swagger, man. I, you can't teach that. You can't teach swagger the way he has yeah. it. He and um, he's very confident. He, he's he's he believes in what works. And you know, I give him full credit to where he's came from, the what the where he is now, but how hard he had to work to get to where he is now. Um, it's been very impressive to watch. Um, I'm obviously close with him I've, I've known him since i played with him in juniors and get an opportunity to play with him again in tampa and you know win two stanley cups with him but his personality is to the team has never changed once he's still kind of that same guy but he's just smarter right 
He's yep. smarter. He gets the game. Mm-hmm. He understands the game. He understands what players need and what they don't need. Uh, and that's the best way. You need to communicate with players now, man. I, I'm a firm believer in that. He communicates. And um, and he's one of those coaches that wants guys to get together, right? And, and that's yep. why his teams have success, and that's why his teams win, man. Um, and he's yeah. just he's just a great coach. Yeah, it just seems from the outside looking in and just even spending a little bit of time kind of around him when he would come visit Green Bay, you know, throughout the years I was there and just be around him. He just he would light up a room and the way he could articulate and talk. It's just it was so you could just tell this guy, you know, he was in the American League at the time, but like this guy was National League level. But Patty, just like talking about working hard and getting to where you were going, like, man, you yourself, I just it's just such a. I, I am inspired by your your route, your willingness to stick to it. I mean, you look on your hockey DB and, you know, I'm looking at it right now. Like you grinded five years through the jungle, putting up really good numbers, fighting a lot. Was there ever a moment or moments when you were playing in the American Hockey League? Like, man, like I'm getting a little discouraged right now. Or did you always have that same kind of attitude of, you know, the kid in the garage just stick handling, loving the game? Or were you ever at a crossroads in the, your career, especially early on? Because it did take you a while to get to where you you know, you wanted to go. And, you know, obviously you see it through now with three mugs and, you know, such a great career. But was there times where you're like, fuck, man, like I know I can play. I, I'm tough. I'll fight. I can stand in front of the net, but I'm just not getting my chance. And I think even at one point, like, you know, you got sent home from a camp. I don't even know what that was if you want to get into that. But there was a lot of shit you had to deal with, man. I just, I love your story. Yeah, I mean, um, my first year was a good year in the American League. I think I put up some pretty good numbers. Um, And then my second year, I stayed there all year and I trained. And uh, I was the last one caught. And I thought that was my chance. Felt pretty good, but I was still young. I felt like I still wasn't ready yet. I didn't know um much um about like the fighting aspect of it i'm a big guy right um one to fight one not to fight you know and went down had a bad year um had some concussion problems and then went back to camp and i was i didn't even make it to i made the main camp but you know when they divided the american league nhl i was in the american group the whole time uh, got sent down was, was the first one basically in the first group and I think it was nine games in uh, I got sent home um, yeah man it was an eye-opener I wanted to quit I don't want to be a part of hockey anymore and granted I think people forget my son was born September 2nd my first year pro I had to leave the next day for rookie camp so I didn't see my kid for six months my first year um, until I got home. So, I mean, that was tough. And then obviously spending time with him in the summer and then leaving again, it was just tough, right? So, and then being sent home, I remember calling my dad and be like, I'm done. I, Anthony's at home. Like, what am I doing? Like, they're tarnishing my, my reputation. My reputation's gone. And that that was more my concern like i didn't want that to be a problem um i was kind of i was very embarrassed uh nine games in and maroon sent home there's articles out there that you know that i don't want to see and and that i know what happened um but 
people prior like speculating on what kind of guy I am and who I am and mm. and it was tough. It was tough. So I honestly I just got my car and I drove to New Jersey to my aunt, my mom's side, and I just drove there. I just remember driving there and I'm like, screw it, I'm just gonna go there and see what happens. And uh it sucked, man. I honestly I wanted to quit hockey. I wanted to come home work do something and be with my son because that was the most important thing at the time. Like hockey means nothing and running in some trouble. And then, you know what? I just, I was sitting there, I think it was a month until, and I was skating at Montclair state. It's like a club hockey team <laughs> started part. Like I was partying. I was like, hanging out with them, drinking beers in the frat house. Like I feel like I was in college again. You're on a but PTO. Yeah, and that's why, like, <laughs> I, I just, like, well, not, like, like, one night I was, like, what am I doing, man? Like, I'm just going to quit. Like, I called my agent. I was, like, I'm done. Like, can I go to the coast? They're, like, they don't want to send you to the coast. And I was, like, well, get me to Europe or something. Can I get something where I can, like, get my mind back where I need to be? Like, I don't care what happens. And um, I was, uh, we wrote an email to Paul Holmgren. Uh, I wrote an email to him, you know, just said my piece and everything I needed to do. I was like, can you please help me? I'm sorry. And I would say it was, I, I, me I meant everything I said in that email. And I was, you know, I was upset. I was embarrassed. I let not only myself down, but I let the organization down. And um, he ended up trading me to uh, Anaheim. I think it was like a month and a half in. Um, I don't know when I started playing. I think I only played like 50 something games that year. Um, but yeah, it was tough, man. Like going through that. And then I finished a year strong, but I still, I was like, are they even going to resign me? Like, I think it's over for me. Like, I don't think my, my reputation is kind of tarnished, but <clears throat> yeah. And that was that. And playing in Anaheim, they resigned me, you know, I had another good year. Um, my following year and then I think our team ended up moving to uh, Norfolk and that's when I was kind of like mm -hmm. all right I'll kick the can at this one more time I had an offer <coughs> in Russia two years and I was still debating to either take that or do one more year and it was money I couldn't turn down but my agent's like, well, you're by yourself, like your kid's at home, like this makes me a little nervous. Um, so yeah, and then I, I took that contract because that was the lockout year, the half season. Because I played two games the, the following year. Um, and then the lockout, I was kind of like, well, fuck, I only, they can't take those two games away from me. I think, you know, I've done whatever I could to do and Thank God for Trent Yanni. <laughs> he just told me, he's like, hey, man, you're an NHL player. He's like, you're big, you're strong. Why don't you just start fighting every night? Not every night, but you know what I mean. Like, start grabbing guys. Start showing your toughness, too. And I started doing that. And Bob Murray and Bruce Bruger at the time liked it and got called up during the lockout, played 13 games. And then Bob Murray signed me to my first ever two-year one-way. So it kind of came, it came fast. <laughs> that is such a nails route, man. So nails. Oh my God. I'm, I'm looking at it right <laughs> oh now. And it just, God. 
even the pims. I mean, 125 pims, 120, <laughs> 139. I yeah. mean, you're just fucking throwing both ways, taking a few on the chin. Like, I've always admired your your route, Patty, and you you got in the door, you beat that fucking thing down, and then you go up to Edmonton and you start playing with a guy like Connor McDavid. And I think Ozzy will probably have a few questions on this, but I just wanted to touch on like how cool and special was it playing on a line with McDusty? Because, you know, we watched him from the fucking couch at, on a Tuesday with Hockey Night in Scottsdale. I'm like, holy shit, man. And I've had a couple cups of coffee playing against him, and I'm just so amazed at what that can, guy can do. I can't imagine, you know, being on the sheet with him, let alone on his line for basically a couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun. I was probably, as a hockey standpoint, confidence-wise, feeling good about yourself, that was – probably the best time I've ever had playing hockey. I think he kind of re me a little bit. He he put belief back in me knowing I can, you know, score and, you know, make plays and not just fight. And, you know, and yeah. I, I got the chance to play with Getsy and Perry. I got the opportunity to play with those guys. I was, you know, a role player for Anaheim. You know, I would move up and down the lineup. I would play with those guys. And, you know, I remember playing with those guys the whole playoffs when we lost in the conference finals to Chicago. But it was just fun. Like, playing with those guys, like, they put belief in you, right? They put belief in yourself. Like, hey, I can stick and I can play in this game. I can play in the NHL. I can not only play, but I can put mm-hmm. up numbers and produce. And and he did that. And obviously, you know, you still have to put the puck in the net. He, he helped me a lot. Obviously, he's a he's a hell of a player. He makes people better around him. Um, you know, he just sees the ice so well. He's fast, and I just remember having a conversation, you know, with him. He's just like, "Hey, man, you're big and strong. If you can be big and strong on the walls, and you get it to me, just meet me down there." You know, and that's that was my yeah. end goal every night. Just win my battles in the D zone. Make sure I get it to him, and just go and just go and it's so weird how many opportunities I got from like that second wave you know scoring or you know scoring chances and it was just he was such a good kid too and he taught me so much man and uh, I'll never play with a player like that ever again Um, he's he'll probably go down as one of the best players ever play in this league and and he does it with such calmness he's such a good person um he's a great leader he's even better off the ice he's so good with you know his teammates his fans you know he's just a good family man too and and uh you know i always i always pull for him i always pull for connor he's 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 such a good kid man but he he helped me a lot you know he helped me a lot yeah yeah patty you 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 come from Anaheim. You go to Edmonton with with this guy Connor McDavid. There, obviously, like you said, I think he's going to go down as one of the best players to ever play the game for sure. I think he's already there almost. But you come from Anaheim. You go to Edmonton with this kid on the team. I always find it interesting to hear about the difference in media. Um, obviously, Anaheim's media, and then you go to Edmonton with this kid. You know, I mean, you hear people talk about it, but like, I always look at these Edmonton, these Canadian teams, and I'm like. Do these do these Canadian markets not realize their media is probably making it a lot harder on these teams throughout the season to win games because they feel like they're so handcuffed by these guys? How much? I mean, did you did you feel any of that when you were playing there, coming from Anaheim? Oh yeah, uh, man, Anaheim. We had two people 
uh, in our room every <laughs> yeah. day, the same people every single day. You know, when I first got to Edmonton, there was 25 people. My first interview, I'm like, holy shit, this is completely different. Um, yeah, I feel like in Canadian markets, they always find a way to find the negativity. They they never want to find positivity. And uh, and if it's about a player, about the team, you know, people take that, right? And especially if a player is struggling and they're writing about it and they're writing about it and it's just like, you're telling me, I don't care who you are, every player looks at Twitter and sees and yeah. writes her name in there and sees what bad article they can find, right? And uh, that's what happens. I think it, it takes a toll on yourself and it takes a toll on the team as a player and it gets hard. And, you know, as people will say, well, you do this for a living, so suck it up. Well, yeah, yeah. I do. You're right. But you know, some people do struggle at work too. You know, some people do, some people mm-hmm. do have bad months and you're going to go through a stretch where you're not going to have the best month, you know? And I don't think they look at it like that. You know, I think they just look at it like you yeah. got to be good every night. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time in Edmonton. We loved Edmonton, me and my wife. It was great. Um, it was first class organization. Um, you know, I, I was good there. I was, I never had problems. The media was always good to me, but if we went on a losing streak or anything, man, it was tough. It was tough, and it's tough questions too, especially for Connor and Leon and these young guys. I mean, they they put you through the task, and they want to know everything. And and uh, I think they've done a good job of handling it and uh, being mature about it and being men about it. And I think. Uh, it's it's tough though. I I agree with you. It's it's tough because you have to you have to answer to them every single day. It's like they never go away. It's always something. They always want to write mm-hmm. about something. They always find something to nitpick. And it's just like, fuck, man. Can we just put a little bit of positivity in something? You know. And I think yeah. um, that's the worst part about Canadian media, especially Edmonton, because you know they're surrounded by the two best players in the world right now, and they probably want. Um, you know, they're, you know, it's tough because you have to find a way to build around those two and, uh, they make it difficult. Patty, those, those Edmonton teams, you, I just wanted to touch on those teams, those teams you had there for a couple of years, they were so goddamn nails. I mean, they had you, Zach Cassian, who has got a great chin and can throw both Milan Lucic. I mean, what was the talk before the games? I mean, I know you're not really a guy that's like, you know, gets all fired up. You're like, oh, fuck, I got this guy circled. I'm going to go throw. You're more of a guy, situational fighter. If something happens, you'll take on anyone. But in terms of just that team, like, what was the chatter around that team? Because if I, I'm, I'm a guy like McDavid or one of the skill guys, man, he, dude, that's like three of the biggest nail guns in the league. Like, I feel pretty good going out not only on the ice, but if I'm going to the bar that night, I you know I got, I don't even have to put my fight strap on because <laughs> these bad boys are going to be in there and they can chuck them both ways. <laughs> they're, they're fucking nails. Like, I'm pretty sure at one point you were either on a line with Luch or Cass or maybe both. Like, dude, those teams, holy fuck, I would be scared shitless playing against you guys. Jesus. Yeah. Matt Hendricks was was on our team, too. Yeah, that's right. Hendo, too. So, you know, if you need a a nail gun middleweight type guy that can, you know, go up a class, he's still there. No, it was funny. One game, like, 
I asked the guy to go, and he's like, no, I'm going. I was like, no, I already asked him. He's like, no, I'm going. And cash right off the face, I'll just drop his glove. So, like, <laughs> he's beating you to the punch, literally. He's already beating you to the punch. But it was funny, man. Like, we would chirp everyone, um, especially with a guy like Luch, man. He's so tough. and He's, he's so, so tough. Good at what he does. And, like, he intimidates so many people. He just makes your bench look so much bigger, right? If he's on the ice, everyone's just like staring, like, what's he going to do? And the same with Cass. Cass has no care in the world, man. He'll run you through the wall. He'll run the goalie. Like, he'll slash you. Like, it doesn't matter. He'll find a way to stir the pot. And um, it was funny, man. We would we would bark all, all, all game long with those guys. And Luch is kind of a quiet guy. He'll chirp when he needs to chirp. But he didn't really say much, but his presence meant a lot. Yes. And for Connor, I would hope maybe one day you can talk about it, but I hope he felt protected. <laughs> Dude, that I mean, it's just unbelievable because <laughs> like, you got a guy like Cass just licking his chops. You got you, you're willing to go anybody. And then Lucci, Chark will be the toughest guy in the league. I just think that's so funny just to have a, a band of brothers. I mean, it's a little bit of a throwback of almost like the Danbury Trashers and the National Hockey League, guys that can actually play too. Like, you guys are good. You got good skill. But Big Rig, I wanted to touch on like, me and Ozzy were talking before you came on and we were like, you know, Ozzy was asking me, he's like, big rigs, a heavyweight, right? I'm like, well, yeah, he fought Chara three times. Dude, what were you thinking fighting Chara that many times? Cause I even <laughs> remember when I played the short stint with you, you're like, you know, we played Boston or whatever. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to go Chara. I'm like, holy <laughs> God, you are nuts. Like, you okay, man? Room. You thinking properly? Yeah, like, big rig, you, you're giving up like, you know, nine or 10 inches. And I mean, uh, call, you know, 20, 30 pounds. Like, what? That is insane. And you did it three three or four times, no? And he's a freak. He's a freak in nature. He's strong yeah. as fuck. No, um, I wouldn't call myself a heavyweight. I think I would fight anyone. Um, yep. uh, yeah, I mean, fighting Revo, McDermott, Luch, obviously Chara. <laughs> I mean, those guys are tough as fuck. But back in the day, man, run, my, first, my first year, it was tough for me because I got in my first full year in the NHL, I got in 14 majors. But those were back then. It was like the Mike Browns, the Chris yes. Nails, Adam yeah. Quaid, Aaron Ashams, um, oh. Fraser McLaren, um, Colt Moore. Uh, yeah, man, I – and I had to find a way, man. I had to find a way to stick. And unfortunately, <laughs> I had to get my ass kicked. And that was <laughs> the only way I was going to fucking stay in the league was to fucking prove to these guys that I'm not going to back down. And I had to. And I guess as my career went on, everyone was just like, a new guy would come in, big chomping at the bit. I'm fighting Maroon. I'm like, fuck, man. Like, this sucks. But, yeah, yeah I just – I got that. I guess I would say the reputation right right away out of the gate. Like my first ever fight was Kanapka, uh, oh, the God. lockout year, and he likes to go long, long fights. But I remember yeah, he's a it was series kind of guy, dude. It was nuts. I, I remember, I think it was like game four of that lockout year in the NHL, or for me, and I'm in Minnesota. This would be my first fight, and it's Clayton Stoner to my left. Kanapka in the center, uh, Mike Rupp on the other side. And we're in the ozone, meanwhile. And Stoner and all these guys, we're going, Maroon. I'm like, fuck me, man. Like, who's going with me? Like, I need to know. Kanapka's like, I'm going to you. Stoner's like, I'm going to you. Rupper's like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. I'm like, no shit, all <laughs> you. <all." laughs> 
I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Shit out of you. So, Kanakadeen won the faceoff. He jumped the gun right away and just dropped his gloves. I was like, thank God. I, I'll take him over those two. For sure. Um, so, that was my first fight. But, yeah, like, coming up, fighting those guys was tough. But you, you gain respect in the room. And um, I, I wanted to do it. I wanted to stay in the league. And I wanted to, uh, um, you know, make my presence known right and uh my skilled guys got touched i would go out there and fight so like and that was back then where you get to take your helmet off and fucking fight and like it's a stage yep. right and you're like right. shit man these guys want to and like back then these guys want to hurt you like oh yeah oh yeah so fight char was nuts but those other guys were probably crazier. I mean, I would have to think about all the fights I went through in my fight log, but my first year was a lot. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of heavyweights. But and even like you said, Big Rig, just adding that to your bag, I mean, you're a guy that could play up and down the lineup. You can play first line. You can play fourth line. You can chuck them. You're just, you're just so valuable to a team, and it's something you still provide to, to the Minnesota Wild. So it's just a tip and a feather in your cap, brother. But I just wanted to get into, you know, you go to St. Louis – you obviously win the mug there. A little bit of a rocky start for you personally. I believe you had to battle through, you know, a couple of healthy scratches and you kind of got to a crossroad at, a, at one point with like, fuck, do I get traded or I ride this out? You end up riding it out. You end up being the hometown hero. Unbelievable story. Everybody knows that. But I just wanted to get into, man, the three-peat, four Stanley Cup finals in a row. And the first question I have off the hop on that boat parade, before you answer the, you know, the first part there, on that boat parade, when you're holding that Bud Light mug and your pants are soaked, did you piss your pants or is that no. just fucking <laughs> your no, Bud Light no. and your shotgun and beers and it's all no, over the place? I've shot- been there too. I, sh- I was just shotgun and beers and just dripping <laughs> down my my uh, my stomach and right into my pants. But yeah, you and McDonald's. I would tell there the boys if I there. pissed my pants. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> that was all time. That picture is just all time. I might need a, that picture signed by you, by the way. So yeah, we'll talk absolutely. after uh, the show so you can get that done. But no, dude, I just wanted to talk about like four finals in a row. That's crazy. And you are a nail gun, like we talked about. But at the end of all that, was it a blur, or was it just like, yeah, I'm expected at this point. We're going to the finals, and fuck, we're gonna win it because you know that's what you dream of as a hockey player. I just that's nuts to think you played in four straight finals. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it was nuts, man. After um, obviously after the first one, being a hometown kid from St. Louis and winning it after what fifty-two years, have, yep. they've been looking for it. Um, mm. You know, it, it was such a unique season um, in a way where, like, we were last place in January, then we won an eleven-game win streak, and then like we went like Benner comes in, it's like. He goes like 28 and three. Uh, I don't know the exact stats, but it was crazy. And then we just got this confidence of like belief of like, no one can beat us right now. We, we, we know our system. We're going to win. And winning that Stanley cup, I was like, man, I, I don't think I can, I don't think I'll ever do this again. Like this is probably the coolest moment of my career. Dude, my dad was a season ticket holder. I used to go to the old arena you know, he, yeah. he watched me score that game-winning goal in game three, and then he watched me score that game-winning goal in game seven. And, like, his his days were already – it was already done for him. Like, he just watched his kid do all that. And then he watched his son raise the Stanley Cup as, as a – not only a Blues yeah. fan, 
growing up. Uh, but he watched his son do it in the Blues jersey, and I think that was like that was the, that was a fairy tale moment for all of us. I was like, man, that was it. I, I just accomplished everything. And then uh, when I signed with Tampa, I'm like, man, we can fuck. They can win too. <laughs> and then COVID hit, and then we went to the bubble. And when we went to the bubble, man, we had this conversation. It was like, we're not coming home without that cup. And we just do we believe. <laughs> so sick. We believed the whole time. Before we left that bubble, we were like, we're coming home with that cup. And we just do we believe. We, had, we, we were full of piss and vinegar, man. We were confident. We were a cocky group. Um, confident. We had swagger. And then um, we go on and win bring it home, bull parade in the middle of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing you're uh, in Florida, baby. Yeah. 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 No shit. And then uh the following year, man, we we came back and it was um we call it the last day of school. Because we knew not everyone was coming back. So let's go out there and accomplish something that we that Pittsburgh just did a couple years ago. We can do that. So we call it the last day of school and it we always had this model, are we full? Are we full? And we would be like, no, we're not full yet. And we were just like, let's do it again. Fuck, man, it was cool, man, to watch guys go through adversity, go through injuries, uh, battle injuries. Um, guys were hurt. Uh, that one was probably the coolest one I've been through. Yeah. Um, with those guys to see the work ethic that we put in, um, you know, guys fucking laying on shots, you know, sacrificing, fighting for teammates, you know, getting the puck in when we need to, you know, like doing the little things that make your team successful. And that was, dude, we grinded, dude. We, you can tell we were exhausted, but we weren't giving up. Yeah. And we fucking did everything we could to fucking bring that cup back to have a, cause they all, chirped us say it was a fake cup like fuck you yeah we'll prove it to you we're gonna go win and the guys dude the guys rallied and it was awesome it was so fun to watch what our top players went through or top six went through in the back end um you know guys eating pucks you know guys playing with breaking broken bones like it's fucking awesome man and that and that's what courage is and that's what championship teams do you gotta have that belief you gotta have that swagger that was the coolest one for me to watch what the guys went through and, and to go back my fourth year and to go back to the Stanley Cup finals was fucking awesome. And I was more proud of that moment of our team because watching like a guy like Braden Point go down an Anthony Sorelli go down, but it didn't matter, man. It was always the next man up. Like we were going to do this. We're going to do this. No one can beat us still. We're still the best team in the league. Someone's still got to knock us out. We still had that swagger, man. Obviously, we came up close against Colorado. We had some injuries. We're not going to use that as an excuse, you know. You know, they had us out. They thought fucking Colorado was going to win in game five. But, dude, we fucking battled hard. We fucking win game five, bring it home to game six. Get out of the gates up one nothing. They tie it 1-1. They make it 2-1, but in the third, we were trying to push as hard as you can, but you can just tell. It was just like we didn't have that gas left, but it, it was just so fun to watch the guys just battle through the fucking adversity and, and uh, the 
the shit that we went through the whole year and the injuries and, you know, guys coming in. It was fucking awesome to see, man. And, that, and that's what I'm most proud of as a player watching those last two years of the cup run of how proud I am of how people fucking battled and they fucking encouraged and they did whatever, whatever he can do for the guy next to him. And it was just so fun to watch, man. And that's what hockey's all about. And that's why you play the game of hockey and you got to embrace those moments. And, uh, you know, the guys did, man, we gave it everything we got that, that third run, but we just, can just tell we just ran out of gas, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I commend you guys for coming back year after year after getting there. Cause I know how much wind it takes out of your sales to get a cup. Like you've already checked it off. It's like, where's the motivation to get another one? You gotta be a psycho to come back the next year and the year after that to, to get there. So Patty, I wanted to ask you just, I don't know if you can even answer. It's probably a tough question to answer, but like, out to the wild right now, I mean, if you're looking back and you retired down the line when you're 60 years old or whatever, you know, which team is kind of your family? Which organization? Like, you've got so many to pick from. Like, how do you not go with that? I mean, I know you're only with the Blues for one year, but it's like hometown, first cup there. But then you're at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, I don't know. Like, you might have to be traveling just all around all these arenas, just going to these alumni nights, you know, waving the hand, dropping the puck center ice. Like, It'd be tough. Uh, I don't know. I was just curious. Just... Oh, man. I, they're all family. You know, even those, that time in Anaheim where I thought we should have won the cup that year when we lost to Chicago. Um, I still talk to those guys, man. Those guys are all still family to me. Man, when you're, when you're in a, a championship organization and guys that won before <clears throat> and that been through the grind, they're always going to be family, man. Uh, I don't have a favorite, um, favorite locker room, but you know, they're, it's, it's tough, man. Like St. Louis, yeah. Tampa, both very, very good locker rooms. And, um, they're all family to me. I care for all those guys in that room. And it was just fun to go through the process with, you know, there it was two different ones, right? You know, last place to winning the cup to, coming in a room they got swept by columbus they're all pissed off and down and the media's still talking about columbus in fucking november i'm like why the fuck are we still talking about columbus right um <laughs> so yeah it was just two different animals right like a comeback year like the um the fucking ncaa team virginia when they got knocked out by the 16th seed and it was just yeah. like it seemed like that right it just seemed like yeah it was just like their comeback year right so two different stories um both very very good rooms um and both uh, you know every guy's respecting that in both of those rooms so i'd say they're all family to me hey that sure. picture with you and snook on the bird after you won the mug in game <laughs> seven in boston oh you got the jmo all you got the con smitty right there in the mug i'm sitting there like fuck the <laughs> pretty national league <laughs> yeah. that was uh if you don't have that picture frame somewhere, Big Rig, you got to get that because the fact that, as you know, just played his thousandth game too the other night, but a couple weeks ago, that guy is an all-time captain. I mean, he's probably right up there with Stamkos as you play with too. But I oh, just yeah. think, you know, the I don't think there's a cooler guy in the National League than the fact that you might know a few, but from what I've seen and a little bit of taste, man. The guy can tickle the sick string. He can dance. What can he do? He's got sick, sick flow, <laughs> nice beard. Like holy shit, rocket He's a fucking stud. Yeah, He's a stud. 
Yeah, he's a stud, man. That guy is a legit rock star. But Big Rig, before we let you go, I got a couple of questions for you. Ozzy might have a few, but just in terms of I got to know, are you still going no bucket for warm-up? Are you greasing that flow back and you're teaching these oh, kids, yeah. hey, hey, I got the no bucket on here. This is I've played a few games. I'm about 17-year pro here. I got a oh, – I, you know, I slicked the hair back nice. Let the, oh, you got the, the LA looks flow. in there. He dusted let it off. Let them all Let them all yeah. flow. You could take that thing over a car dealership or a car wash with the the big industrial size fan. They ain't moving. You know that that thing's greased back. That thing is straight out of South County mob boss style. But another couple of questions I got for you, just quick hitters. Jury curve. You still using that? The old saucer pass curve. You still using no, that? No, I switched it up. No way. Year. Really uh, big rig. I, was... I went back to the old traditional socket. Okay, so you're using the socket, but I still see you're using that old fucking blue like mock turtleneck oh, yeah. it's not a turtleneck but that long sleeve shirt you've been wearing for the last 20 years you're still wearing that right <laughs> i'm rocking that <laughs> still got the reebok bucky but i don't yep. not yeah, that... for home games because they don't have a green one so i wear okay power. i love that yeah. um but no i i think ozzy if you have any more the last question i wanted to ask you is just for the viewers because i just know how crazy this guy is actually he's a beauty but he's a a, a st louis guy you grew up around he was a little bit older than you do you have any Cam Jansen stories you can share with the people? Because this guy yeah. was just, he was a savage. Like, is there anything that you is PG related you can share with the folks of just in yeah. terms of Janny? Because I love giving a guy like this some of his flowers because he was not one of these crazy on the ice, but he was just a guy I would love to have as a teammate. So if you have oh, any Oh, man, I got stories. tons of stories. I'll give, you, uh, I'll give you two, two PGs. So we used to work out together um, in St. Louis and – He'd always be like, Patty, come to the rink with me early, right? I'd be like, no, Jan, you're like, I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat. I'll, I'll be there like 30 minutes before, and I'm just going to hop on the ice. So he would get there like an hour and 15 early, and he would just start stick handling the hallway, just ready to rock, dude, like stick handling, just like fucking buzzing around. Like, and I'm like, this is what you want me to come here for? He's like, dude, I'm working on my hands. He's like, you need to do it too. I was like, no, I don't. I don't need to do that right now. It's fucking summer hockey, Danny. Like, there's no way I can do that right now. Working uh, on your hands before a game of shinny. Yeah, but he then we'd play, we'd do like drills and then we'd scrimmage, and then he would like score and be, yeah, boys, he would always go up to the young guys, hey, I can score and fight. These young kids would be like, what the fuck? But we used to train boxing together and, um, uh, at this gym called uh, Finney's uh, in St. Louis. So we'd all go there and spar together, right? We'd warm up and then – but it'd be like the first two weeks of like just like repetition, learning how to fight, getting back, and then we would spar. So we we got these young kids to come in and work with us uh, from the gym that were like going to the USHL or going to the NA and Cam wanted them to be like, hey, man, like if you ever get in a fight, you need to know what you're doing. And – I was like, yeah, that's pretty fucking smart. These kids should come, right? So uh, we were going around. So it's two weeks in, and then we started sparring. Uh, so we wrap a towel around our neck like this so you can grip, right? So he would, they would tape, tape it up, and then you would, someone would grip, and you would throw a punch, and he would back off. You would throw a punch. So Cam was with this kid, and he was teaching him. And 
I already know where this is going. <laughs> he was teaching her how to fight, which the kid's a strong kid. And um, they were throwing, and he's like, all right, stop, stop, stop. He's like, all right, fucking hit. Like, like let's go. Like, we're going, right? We're, we're fucking hitting. So he's fucking, they're swinging. He would swing. He would swing, and this canvas fucking cocked them. <laughs> falls down. Falls down. Kid has a concussion the next day. I'm like, Cam, why the fuck did you do that? Like, why weren't you sparring? He's like, I'm fucking teaching him. Now he knows how to get fucking knocked out. I'm like, no, that's not that's not what you're supposed to do, though. Now he but, knows how to get knocked out. <laughs> but that was man. He was the type of guy, though, he wanted the best at everyone. He always brought everyone in with him because he was such a good pro. He worked his ass off. Um he fought anyone, and but he was a guy that's like been through the roads, been through it all, and he just wanted to bring the young guys in and teach them and like mold them and like show them the professional way. And I thought he did such a good job of that. He helped me out so much in that regards, and he probably helped out half those young kids that he was sparring with and like everyone. I mean, those kids can probably tell stories for days. Like he was the one that paved the way for us, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, especially coming out of nowhere, Missouri. Coming out of nowhere and it. like making it so i always looked up to cam and i always hung out with him he he treated me like a brother and like he was fucking nuts though man like he was fucking nuts and he i mean we would get like we'd fight after practice like like summer hockey and he would throw and he'd fucking (laughs) try to hurt me dude but that's he can't do anything he's got to do everything 110 right it's one speed it's one speed and if you don't do it then he's going to catch you well, yeah, that story was all the time. And the fucking boxing coach was like, Cam, what the fuck are you doing, man? He's like, you're not supposed to do it. He's like, he's got to fucking learn. I'm like, no, that's not it. That's not it. But he's the type of guy that he, he treated everyone with respect. He wanted everyone. He wanted to teach young kids. He did such a good job of doing that. Yeah, he was so he was so cool to me, man. Like, you know, when I was getting scratched a bunch, trying to make my way into, you know, being a regular or whatever, even, even the times I was up, like he was doing a little bit of media at the time and he would always make time to come over to my stall, like after a bag skate in St. Louis of, you know, the aces or healthy scratches and, you know, make time just to talk to me and just, you know, tell me to keep grinding and, and stay in it. And, you know, that's a guy that didn't have to do that. He generally just like wanted the best in people. So I always thought he was such a cool guy and, yeah, I, I, he was a little bit off the screws in terms of, I think, when he got on the ice, but that's, you need those guys on your team. And he was so caring, and that's what I, I really admired about him. Yeah, he earned everything, man. He, nothing came easy to him. He earned all those fucking games in the NHL. Patty, my last question for you would be, favorite bar in St. Louis? Where are you going if you're having a few, fella? Are you Is it OB Clark's? Are you staying South County with it? Like... You know, I was a wheelhouse guy back in the day. I get my twinkle toes going on over there. But like, where, where are you massaging a few? The at? Hot box? Be, where's that? No, oh, the, oh, the wheelhouse. wheelhouse. Yeah, the that is a box. hot box. Yeah. Um, like, where are you, if you're you're gonna go meet like your brother to have one, like, like right now, like if you're gonna go meet your brother, you know, Philly, you're gonna go have a few. Where, like, where are you having one, fella? That's tough. OB's is always a classic. Um, I love in the summertime going to Naples. Um, yeah. Sit on the patio uh, there. Sit on the patio. Um, fuck, man. There's so many good spots. Um, 
I'm drawing a blank now. I, it's my favorite spot. Fuck, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> it will come to me when I think yeah. about it. But not JP um, Fields. No, not JP Fields. Um, God, dude, they have the best food too. Um, God, I'm drawing. A, it's right down Clayton Road. Like Louis? No, Clayton Road, opposite way. Clayton Towards Road. like Frontenac. Um, I'm liking on that too, but yeah, no, those. Right uh, uh, fuck. It's right next to Lester's across the street. It's a hockey bar, kind of. I know Lester's too. I don't know. Never been. No. How, but, how brutal is that when you can't remember? It's, you know it and you just can't think of the fucking name. It's like. Yeah, it's that's going to drive me nuts. Oh, man, that's terrible. You got to Google it. I know. And we can cut this too. Yeah, this um, we can get started here for sure. We gotta Google it. It's on Clayton Road. <laughs> like across the street or yeah. On Clayton Road? Yeah. Sportsman Park? Sportsman's. Oh, Sportsman's fella, yes. Okay, I know that. Yeah, yeah. That's where the coaches would hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sportsman's yeah, yeah, like is a it. great spot. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know, man. Like if I was going to my hometown. Um, either sports pub or Barney Stone. Yeah, <laughs> two classics. You can get like a bucket of beer, large pizza, for, like twelve bucks. Yeah, keep the change. Yeah, <laughs> I forget this this place in Soulard, man. Oh man, McGirt's is great. McGirt's is good. Yeah, there's all. I mean, there's a ton of over there too. So those those spots are good. The Social House too. This place, some local St. Louis guy owns won't. It. What's that? My buddy owns that. My, so people, now I'll keep it PG, but basically what it is, it's a Hooters on steroids. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, that, that. and these girls, I mean, they're painting their chest. I'm like, my buddy brings me there from St. Louis. I'm like, where the hell am I? And ended up going there probably three nights in a row. So it's like, I got to go back. Have Johnny's? No, no. I've never been to Johnny's. Same, same thing, it, yeah. It was the same concept, but this yeah. that one's on steroids. Are you talking about Social House? Social house, yeah, where they paint their nukes. Yeah. yeah. They're going in there with the airbrush. They're getting no, they, they actually do. Have you, oh, yeah, they, double, they, have you ever been to Double D's? Yes, confirmed. Double yes. D's is a great spot, right? Yeah, that is a great spot. There's so many they just wear bras places. and thongs. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, That's folks, so we need a little bit of a show. It's not a cabaret. That's on the east side. But over here, we oh, keep it pretty X-rated as well. No, it's uh that town's got uh, there's so many hole in the wall places, but yeah, the wheelhouse is always a staple. Yeah. Um but man, I don't if we ever go out to St. Louis, it's either sit on the patio now, yeah, have a couple of cocktails. Well big rig, um, you're a veteran now, brother. You got a couple, you know, some kids, you got the wife, yeah, you know. I gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I, I gotta you still maybe got a fastball, but yeah. <laughs> I can still put the foot down. I was gonna say you still got the two seam back there, eh? Dust off the <laughs> rosin bag. But the boys are gonna dust it off a little bit. I'll still yeah, exactly. But no, bro. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. This is fucking awesome. This is so much fun. Great hearing yeah, from you. Thanks for having me, boys. I appreciate it. I love. I know you're, you're gonna get doing. those guys turned around too in the Minnesota locker room. You just got that juju and that dog in you, so you'll you'll go get those boys back on track. And no, thanks again for joining us on the road. Uh, yeah, man, I'm pumped. Right. I think we have a we have a fucking good team. I think 
you know, I know we're not where we want to be right now, but I still believe that this is a cup contender team. So, man, there's still belief in that locker room. So we just got to keep finding ways to keep grinding. We'll get out of this. I know we will. Awesome, man. No, thanks again. Folks, that was Wild Forward, three-time Stanley Cup champion and your St. Louis hometown hero, Patty the Big Rig Maroon. Folks, thanks for listening. Big badass ball. Went up north for all the gold that I stole. Along with some cash, even took the mess, dog.